Bruising Banner Podcast. Banner Podcast. Bruising Banner Podcast. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Bruising Banner Podcast. I am your host, Rob G. And with me, as always, is the legendary Brew Crew. What up, fella? I got water, I got, you know, juice or whatever. I'm like, y'all need twin legs? <laughs> Matter of fact, I do. everybody is. Does Delaware have an actual culture? This is the podcast that we talk about beer, but we also talk about a lot of things that's happening in the world. Politics, movies, anything really that comes to our mind while we're here. Sample in these brews. Grab a drink and pull up a chair. Team passenger, this a G5, no, this not a challenger Big one. I keep some members with me in the fridge The coat seats, they some cannibals Eaters. They like to get geek Drink a whole bottle, wake up and repeat Damn. She took a look, mixed it with the chill out Now she say she's saying 3D I go in the jungle and they got a coat I bet I come out with a me uh, Rest in peace to uh, take off uh, We lost yeah. them uh, earlier Was it this week? Yeah, I think it was Monday, Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, and uh, just found out we uh, lost a, a friend, to the sh- friend to the show as well. Um, yeah. Shout out to uh, Mo from uh, Rest in Peace to Mo from uh, No Better Do Better podcast. Um, uh, so it's been a crazy, you, uh, uh, crazy, uh, crazy week for sure. Uh, but uh, we don't want to bring down the audience too much. We do have a, a great show from us for uh, for you today. So what up? What up? What up? Welcome to yeah. Bruising Banter Podcast, where the topic is the rocking and the brew. Well, that'd be the fuel, and I'm your host, Rob G. And with me, as always, the legendary brew crew. What's going on, Lou? We only need one, baby. <laughs> you know, I'm here. That's <laughs> why I didn't, I didn't stop. I just kept <laughs> right. Like, right, you learned the lesson. <laughs> we had the conversation before. Oh, sure. When the two of us are together. <laughs> <laughs> that is a banter. <laughs> uh uh, but this but yes. is episode 186 of Bruising Banter Podcast, and we do, like I said, we do have a, a great guest uh, for you this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're watching or looking or or, or listening. Um, yeah. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Welcome. Hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, if you are a returning listener or viewer, uh, thank you for coming back and being a friend. Welcome back. Thank welcome you back. for being a friend. As I always, uh, you shout always to travel girl. Down, on, down the road and, and back again. Yeah, um, uh, but it's true. Yeah, I'm a pal and a confidant. Sorry. I love that song. <laughs> it, is, it is one of the one of the better. They don't make yeah. uh, uh, not like they used to. They don't make uh, what is it? What do they call it? Uh, theme songs. Theme songs. Uh, Intro like the, songs. Theme song. I think show theme, theme yeah. song. That sounds right. Yo, uh, I heard the Grand Pains one this this week. That was a good one too back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they just I can I can't think of too many that I can sing. Even though nowadays I think they just use like music, and then this there's no there's mm-hmm. no there's no song. It hasn't been one since like the TGI Friday days, right? That really like the, the mid nineties, I guess. Right, because well, because even like because shows just don't. It's more musical based, and there's not like a thing party theme song. I think once one show I watched used the uh, um, imagine imagine dragons song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, 
before they became like bigger than they like they like now that you know who Imagine Dragons are. They use them right on the cusp, <laughs> right? But then that well, show yeah, got canceled. So. But doesn't didn't Power have a theme song? Well, yeah, Power Power. So I guess it's kind of like evolved yeah. to not like us because Game of Thrones got a theme song. Yeah, but you don't. Have, that's no words. Yeah, you can hum the hell out of it though. Yeah. Everybody that likes the show can hum the hell out of it. Yeah. So I guess it's just it's an evolution. <laughs> yeah, but Power does have a theme song that we do, uh, I think we talked about before that people got mad when uh, I think every time we ha- every time I sing the Golden Girls we had this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> they must be two of the most popular theme songs of all time. <laughs> and the controversy of that change don't never change a good theme song. Just just go with it. All right. Uh, well, we're going to get into the show. Like I said, we sure. have um, uh, from the DMV area. We have uh, the head storyteller of. Uh, <laughs> Black Viking Brewing. That's what that's what it says on the yeah, podcast. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> we have uh, Sean Taylor. So let me bring him into the podcast. Welcome, welcome, brother. Welcome. What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing today? Welcome. Doing great, man. How are you? Doing great, man. Can't complain at all, man. God is the greatest. All uh, right. I'm glad to hear that. That is what's up. Uh, we want to welcome you to the show. I'm glad you can join us uh, for this uh, episode. Uh, we are eager to hear all about Black Viking, but before we do that, we always like to know, and I guess that's probably a given what we are drinking on, but <laughs> <laughs> what are we drinking on today? And uh, we always start with our guests. So, uh, Sean, what are you drinking on well, today? Can we guess? There's <laughs> no need to guess. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, that'd be an easy bet, man. You already know, as you can see from my, my backdrop, I'm drinking our flagship Zynga beer. AKA the world's most drinkable beer. It's a golden ale brew with ginger and honey, five and a half percent ABV, super light, yes, super flavorful, crushable, as we might say in the industry. And uh, yeah, man, that's what I'm on for my first beer. I got a couple other black owned beers here off camera um, okay. that I might crack open as we get into the conversation. But that's what I had to start with. You already know. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> a little what sure. you drinking on? I haven't cracked it yet, man. So uh, that's fine. I'm, I'm behind. But it doesn't even matter. Uh, I wanted to stay in the DMV and stay black. So I went uh, with the Plum Basil uh, Farmhouse Ale uh, from our good people. Uh, shit. Uh, liquid Intrusion. Uh, the liquid, what, always prevail, always must prevail. prevail. What's he say? That's my boy. Uh, go Eagles, uh, if yeah. you listen. I hope you listen. Drew. Go, go Birds. Drew. Go Birds. Uh. That's a good uh, yeah, brew right there too. It's really good. It's, I've had it before, but you know I'm I'm slow. This is what it looked like. Uh, Soul Mega. See, I'm staying. I'm staying with my theme. I'm all I'm I'm all DMV'd up for you guys uh, today. But this is a, a delicious beer. Uh, pass me another all the way. I love Drew and his wife. Uh, keep doing. What Jasmine for sure. I was just with them the other night, man. They're doing big things. Yeah. Oh, by the way, twelve ounce can ABV nine. <laughs> And it, it tastes like plum and basil. It's the, it's really good. I forgot to give y'all a description, but yeah, it tastes just like what it says: plum ba- basil on a farm. Drinking, drink it really, really slow on your back porch because it's nine percent. Cheers. There it is, Rob G. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's good. Uh, what are you <laughs> drinking on uh, today? <laughs> I'm actually drinking uh, from uh, Vector Brewing out of, uh, uh, I guess it's Dallas, Texas. It's a, um, it is their apple apple. Affleholtz, I don't know how to say it, Smoked Hell's Lager. So it's um, brewed with Ooh. applewood smoked malt. There it is in the cup. In my uh, Premier Craft Cup, my Joker glass. There it is. It's definitely uh, the applewood. It's definitely smoky. Um, it's actually, it's, I like smoked beers. 
Um, it's like a Roush. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, I think that I was talking to them. They do a lot of smoked um, beers in their uh, in their repertoire down there in, at Vector. I guess bar- Barbecue Texas, I think yeah. they said, hey, let's throw some uh, smokings in there, I guess. Because it does taste like a, a barbecue in a glass. <laughs> is it That's just the smoking that you get, though? Or is it any... Uh... Well, no. Is it like a? Well, it's a lager, so it, I mean, it's okay. That's what I was gonna say. Is it? Is it? Is it? A, it's not a traditional Roush, then. Right. It, it I just mean, has the smoke flavor. But it's, it's definitely really smoky. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, some malt, malt forwarded, malt forward. It's actually it's a good beer. So uh, I'm gonna say, pass me another. <laughs> I would have had um, Black Viking, but I. I drank it all. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> he yeah, said most crushable, and I guess that's a fact because I had it, crushed yeah. it. <laughs> he, sent, he, sent, he sent us enough, and they're all gone. So. <laughs> that's what we like to hear, man. Yeah, More coming sure. soon. More coming soon. I, I, got, I got to learn to hold hold out. I was like, oh, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. Right. I couldn't. And it's not like we ha- hadn't had it before. We had it before because we've had it um, a few times when I, uh, my cousin went down to uh, Patuxent and picked up some. Oh, okay. no, that wasn't my cousin. My sister-in-law, I said, my cousin. She went to uh, Patuxent Brewing and got, got some and brought it back to us as well. And we had it at the beer fest as well, so that that's so we know what we were always in for. So we're always looking mm-hmm. forward to drinking it because it is the world's crush, most crushable beer, as you said. Appreciate that, fellas. <laughs> um, but, all right, sounds like everybody has something good. So, we, so yeah. like we said, we want to get in to know who Sean is, what bike. Uh, Black Viking is where it started and all that good stuff. So, like we always say, the floor is yours. So, once again, we want to want to welcome Sean Taylor to the podcast and let us know what Black Viking is. Absolutely, man. I appreciate the. Uh, I love the 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 sound effects incorporated as well. They're very timely. And um, again, like I told you guys before we started the show, thank y'all so much for having me. Um, you know, I, I really respect what you guys are doing, the consistency, uh, how y'all move, and just open up your platform to me. So I, I really appreciate it. Uh, like you said, my name is Sean Taylor. I am the co-founder, the owner, and uh, head storyteller slash chief visionary officer for Black Viking Brewing. We started, um, we're a black-owned, 100% black-owned beer brand based out of Gaithersburg, Maryland, about 30 minutes outside of Washington, D.C., uh, we started in 2020 during the pandemic, launched our flagship Zynga beer uh, just over a year ago. So October 23rd, 2021, and we are in about 30, 35 locations throughout Maryland and D.C. right now. So we've had a lot of success. Um, it's been just a great journey so far, and we're just getting started. And so as far as the origins of Black Viking, if I could just put things in context for you, kind of set the table um, sure, sure, sure. For me personally, I knew that I wanted to get into the beer game probably at least 10 years ago, right? Um, and so, you know, like a lot of us, you go through college, you drink in Hennessy at the time, maybe a little Alizé, you know, got the hypnotic wow. going on, right? Wow. Um, and you don't really know what to drink. You're just listening to the rappers, right? Right. And so my uh, my big brother, shout out to Trey, he was, uh, he was like, yo, I'm going to start messing with these beers, right? And I'm like, beer? What are you talking about? Like Corona, Heineken, MGD? He was like, yeah, but I like all these beers that, that are in the store. They in here for a reason. Like somebody's buying them, right? So I'm going to just start stepping out. And um, this is about the time that we graduated, a little after we graduated from college. 
And uh, so, you know, we got a little, little disposable income. So I'm like, all right, let's mess with it. So this was actually probably 15, 16 years ago. But that was kind of like my first venture into craft beer and like just starting to really diversify my palate and learn, right? Um, yeah. So again, shout out to Trey for, for you know, being kind of a, a leader in that regard and getting getting me and kind of our whole crew started into craft beer. But hold on, like hold on, Sean. So Trey just said, hey, it's beer on the shelves. Somebody drinking it, I wonder what it tastes like. Yeah. That, wow. That, that's pretty much what it was like. And Trey has always been kind of like a, you know, he marched to the beat of his own drum. And he mm-hmm. like, he, the, he the, the, the strong, quiet type, so to speak, right? But he's always thinking, you know, very smart dude, very introspective dude as well. Yeah. And so, again, we drinking all these different, uh, not even different, we drinking these liquors and drinking pretty much the same beer that you'll find at any black cookout 15, 20 years ago. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. And like I said, he was just like, man, it, it is like all these beers are here for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Somebody is drinking them. And, yeah, we started getting into it, started off with the good Golden Monkey. Um, by Victory Brewing, then started moving towards the Dogfish Head, 60-minute, 90-minute, getting into the Samuel Adams, Cherry Wheat, stuff like that, which a lot of us have similar origin story, stories, right? Um, so that's why y'all doing the fist bump, because you know what I'm talking nah, about, we right? Do, we doing the fist bump because Dogfish Head is from Delaware, right? everybody mentioned Dogfish Head in their craft beer journey, and we yeah. from Delaware, so... You can't never not mention your craft beer journey without bringing us up. That's, hey, that's a fact. Yeah, that's a yeah. fact. Dogfish Dog is, is uh, they the men. Yeah, they, they that's it. You know yeah, what I mean? That's a so. fact, man. And I had a chance to to meet Sam Callejon a few years ago. Oh, nice. I had been out here that he was uh, in Gaithersburg because they actually have a Dogfish Head uh, restaurant down here, right around the corner from where I live. And uh, even though that's not where I met him, I met him at Downtown Crown, which is right around the corner from where I live as well. <laughs> and he was just mad cool, like right. super cool. Gave me his email address. And just good vibes, you know what I'm saying? Just really yeah. out touching the people, man. So I appreciated that about him. And so we started trying different beers. And then, like I said, fast forward to maybe 10, 11 years ago, I'm like, yo, because I do a little bit of, of writing. Like, I've written a bunch of uh, articles. I've done wow. some screenwriting as well. I worked on season one of um, Double Cross, the show Double Cross on the All Black Network. Okay. and. I'm, I'm always like, writers do something. We have some type of vice, right? When we write, we're going to smoke some, we're going to drink some, we're going to go run a marathon, we're going to do something to kind of get our creative juices flowing. Okay. And for me, you know, I, I started with the, the, the Hennessy and then tried the whiskey, and then I really started getting into the beer. So I'm like, okay, I'm drinking my different beers. And so I'm like, yo, I never ran a business before, but like, let me start doing some real research on this actual industry. Because every time I go into the beer store, like, I'm the only black dude or one of a couple black dudes that are buying craft beer. Right. And yeah. so I start doing my research and then, like, start researching not only the industry but the different styles as well. And so I start trying even more stuff. And, like, I'm going into the beer store. And at this time, we had moved out to Illinois where my wife is from. And, uh, you know, the white dude is kind of looking at me like, you know, like, how does he know about this stuff? And one of the dudes was even asked me, like, how you know about all this stuff? And so I'm just, you know, giving it back to him. Like, you know, it's this thing called the internet, right? And so we just <laughs> laugh about it. But, like, we became fast friends. And so dudes started putting me up on more stuff. Hey, we just got this in from California. Or we got this in from Texas. You know, it's a new brewery, whatever. And, you know, to go back to the, the research about the industry part, industry part, I'm like, there's really not a lot of black brewers out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man. 
I'm about to like, I think I'm gonna jump into this game. I think I'm gonna actually get in because there's a lane there and I'm really passionate about craft beer, like about the the liquid, about the the creativity, about the camaraderie. Like I, I love the industry, right? Right, right? And so we end up moving back to to Maryland um in 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. And so I brought my bought my home brew stuff, um, brewed up a couple batches of beer. It turned out like the beer turned out well, but like I hated the process, right? I was terrible at chemistry. I don't like cooking. And so I was like, yeah, this probably ain't going to work for me because if I'm not passionate about something, then I'm not going to keep it up. And that's anybody, right? Right. And so much to my wife's delight, because she was like, you got the whole house stinking. Like, what you doing, right? I put my stuff on the shelf. I was like, I ain't messing with it, right? But one thing that I am passionate about is building community and telling stories, right? And so I started getting, right, just getting in front of people, right, going to different events at different bottle shops, different restaurants, jumping on blogs. And then I was like, man, I really just, I'm passionate about spreading the gospel of good beer, right? Especially to like, you know, black people, we've been locked out of this industry and we don't have as much knowledge typically about the different beers, right? So I started this show on Facebook Live called the BYOB Show. Mm. And, uh, the first beer that I that I reviewed was Sweet Baby Jesus. It's a peanut chocolate peanut butter uh, porter from Ducal Brewing out of Baltimore. And I was like, this is such a unique beer. Like, I just want to tell people about it, right? So I started off the show. I think the phone was turned the wrong way. I, like, was kind of dry. When I was like, welcome to the BYOB show. Like, and I just talked for, like, 10 minutes. And so I was like, I don't really, like, go back and watch a lot of stuff that I do. But I was like, let me go back and watch this because that just felt off, right? right? And I watched it. I was like, man, nah, that wasn't it. Like, that wasn't my personality. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, And so I was like, the next episode, like, I'm going to turn up more because that's more how I am. You know, just be more energetic. And so um, I used to play basketball back in the day, play, you know, a bunch of good AU teams, played in college. And one of my homeboys I came up with who – uh, played pro ball in Paris for a number of years. Um, big six six dude, and like that's one of my best friends. So I'd always be looking for him to, you know, set him up for a dunk or whatever. So people started like looking for it, right? They kind of like watching, right? Trying to block the alley oops and stuff, being haters, right? right? And so <laughs> my man, his name is Sebastian. He's another big, strong, silent type, right? So he like, hey yo, St. He like from now on, if you hear me go ooh, ooh, like that. He was like, just throw it to the rim, and I'm going to go get it. Just trust me, right? All right. And so we started doing that, and it was working, right? So I'm like, man, shout out to my man, Seb. Like, you know, I remember that time in my life was just a lot of fun, and it was just like that feeling. Like, that conveys a feeling that I want people to feel about craft beer. So the second episode, I had my phone turned the right way this time, and I hit that good. <laughs> oh, 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 Like that. All right. I remember my wife and kids was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> but it's like, that's the ultimate icebreaker. Ain't no turning back once you do that. Right, you know right. So yeah. I did that, and then it was just on from there, right? And so I always said the goal of the BYOB show is like, of course, we want to, like, I want to tell people about good beer, but it's like, you don't go to the bar to talk about beer. You go to the bar to talk about your life, right? right. Like you got a job. You bought a new house, you got married, you got divorced, you got whatever, right? And the beer just facilitates those conversations. And so then I started bringing in guests, right? So I bring in my homeboys that's, you know, working in finance or real estate, my neighbors, like just come in and we're going to just have a conversation about what they're doing because they're all interesting people um, and then just drink beer. 
And so during that time, then like I started getting a lot of texts and like mess uh, direct messages on Facebook, like from dudes would be like in a restaurant or like in a bottle shop in the corner. They're like, hey, yo, ST, what do you think think about this? This says that it's like a, a stout. What type is that, right? Or this says Rouse beer. Like, what is that, right? And so, like, I'm becoming kind of a de facto thought leader during mm. that process just by sharing my passion, right? And so I was like, yo, like, this is it. Like, I feel like I've, I've really tapped into something. And so then me and my homeboy, shout out to Rusty Barrel Homebrewing out of Virginia. He one of the top brewers in the country, right? right. Black dude, super dope guy. Got one of his beers here. Matter of fact, we talked about um, starting up a business because he like he brews. I talk shit, and I'm like, this is perfect, right? And so, literally, right before he was supposed to, we were supposed to link up out on Bethesda because he would come to Bethesda for work. Like a week before we were supposed to link up, COVID hit, mm. and it just you know obviously shut everything down, right? So right. then right. I couldn't have guests in the house no more, and I was just like, I haven't really done like the Facebook live where I'm bringing people on or anything like that. So I just kind of shut things down for a little bit and uh, moved to Instagram and then started like, like, cause Instagram, because of the hashtag, you can like find more of a community there. Okay. Right. And so I just started like linking up with people, sending DMs. Yo, I love what you're doing. Like, you know, how can I get some of your beer, et cetera, et cetera. So I started building community on Instagram. A few months later, I get a, a DM from one of my former players and he's like, Hey coach, um, you know, I see what you're doing on Facebook and Instagram. I love it. Like, I brew beer. And so I was like, coach, man, I coached you like like 12 years ago. You got to be like 30 years old now, right? And uh, he was like, nah, you're forever coach, man. It's a respect thing. And we kind of laughed about it. I was, I was like, bro, you don't brew beer. Just give him a hard time, right? right? And so he was like, I do brew beer. I'll pull up to your house tomorrow. I'm like, okay. Word. I mean, that's pretty confident. <laughs> right. Right. right? <laughs> so he pulls up the next day. He's got a bunch of different styles, right? And it turns out after high school, he went to college at University of Maryland. And then he went over to Europe for a while, and uh, he learned how to brew beer over there mm. while he was in Spain. Yeah. And so he fell in love with the craft of it. And so I was like, okay, bet. Like, it seems like you're really passionate about the craft of brewing beer, right? And so he gives me a bunch of different styles of beers. He brings me, like, a, a peanut butter porter. He brings me a black IPA. Um, like, What's that? He brewed all these. Yeah, so he brewed all of them, right? And then... He brewed this one joint, and it was a, a beer brew with ginger and honey, right? And I'm like, bruh, like, as soon as I heard it, right. I was like, damn, that's so obvious, right? Like, it's such an obvious combination, and I've never tasted it, right? Mm. So I'm, like, very interested to see what this beer tastes like. So I, I cracked it open. I drank the first sip. I was like, bruh, this is it. This is it. Like, this is different. I've never in a in a industry that's oversaturated he has managed to create something that is wholly unique right, right and right. not to say that it hasn't been done before at all but i'm talking about on a mass level right so i hit him up and my man's name is jamil by the way jamil Raul, right shout out to jamil so i'm like jamil let's meet up right and so we meet up at this black owned coffee shop right around the corner uh called black line shout out to them and i'm like bro you can really brew. And I'm like, this honey ginger beer is really good. Like, it's such a unique beer. What you trying to do, right? And so he's like, man, I figure, you know, I brew beer. Um, you know, you're good at the marketing side. I think, like, we should form a company. I'm like, okay, so you want to jump in for real? I'm like, I've been thinking about jumping in as well. And I'm like, I got some ideas about names. Like, what what, what are your ideas? And he was like, um, you know, Black Viking. And I was like, Black Viking? 
And then he showed me a picture of the Minnesota Vikings logo, but without the helmet, it had an afro. So it was like clearly a black dude. I was like, nah, bro, that's corny, man. Black Viking, like, we can't do that, man. Like, what you talking about, black Viking? Like, no, I'm not doing that, right? And so he was like, coach, just, you know, talk to your wife, talk to your friends. I think it's a good idea. You know, I've got some Scandinavian in me. I like cold weather. And, like, you've never seen a black Viking. So I'm like, man, all right, whatever, right? Just do you have some more of that, that honey ginger beer? <laughs> so I'm like, give me some more bottles of that, which he did. He had, like, another case of it, right? And I started, you know, taking it to my friends, taking it to my friends who were in the industry because I've been building community this whole time, right? So I'm saying the people who manage restaurants, people who don't even drink beer, just trying to get a, a vibe for what they think of this beer. And so I asked my wife, she's like, Black Viking, that that is a cool name. Like, he's right. You've never seen a Black Viking. And so I had started hitting the Googles. I'm like, Black Viking. The only thing that came up was Idris Elba's character off of, Black, uh, off of Thor, right? Right, right. right? And so I'm like, man, he might be on to something. And so then we hired a, a graphic designer. She came up with the logo with the hop leaf beard. I said, oh, as a storyteller, right, as a, as a writer, I was like, bro, I ain't going to lie to y'all. That shit just clicked. Mm. At that moment, I just saw, like, the whole vision of creating a world around the Black Vikings, mm. right? And so then the feedback was starting to come in about the beer. Yo, you know, and I took a couple of the other joints out, but the consensus was, yeah, this honey ginger beer is really, really good, right? And coming in from people, again, who sell beer for a living, who sell a lot of beer for a living, folks who are beer connoisseurs, people who are like Bud and Miller Lite drinkers. And then I knew that it was a, a it was a hit for real when my homeboy, his wife doesn't drink beer. My wife doesn't drink, uh, she doesn't drink beer, right? Yeah. They both was like, this is not bad. I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> right. That's it, right? And so yes. we met again. We started LLC. We trademarked Black Viking. We trademarked the logo. We did all, got all our paperwork together. And then we just started building a company. And here we are. I know that was a long-winded story, but that's the whole origin right there. That's how it's supposed to go. That's exactly, you did the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. You're the you storyteller. We, we, we knew to let you go. Appreciate it, Lou. <laughs> yeah, because he, he, he went, he asked a lot of the, he answered a lot of the questions. Like, I was wondering where the black, black Viking, where, uh, where the logo came, came from. from. <laughs> and and he, already right. did a, he, he did a signature. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> he, he, told, he told it exactly what. <laughs> He's like, just like, I got questions. Y'all got just, questions? I got all the answers. Don't ask right. me. Don't ask he said me he was a storyteller, so he laid out the story very well. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, you want to go, Rob, or me? Yeah, you got it. Okay. So I, the ginger beer, the ginger honey beer is an excellent, excellent beer. And you said 35 uh, different, uh, bre- it's not breweries, but uh, just... Um, locations so bar, bars, yeah, okay. restaurants, bottles. Oh, shops. bars and restaurants. Night. Nice. That's what I was trying to get at. What, yeah. what, what else is it? So it's not just your cans in the shops. You'll actually have some can, some uh, some of the liquid on the tap as well. Right. So nice. currently we don't have any on tap, but okay. in the next like four weeks we'll have a lot on tap. Okay. And so I can tell you more about that later. Just because again, like there there has to be like a certain strategy, like this is the beer business, right? Right. It's like people talk about the entertainment business. It's like, yeah, it's great that you can entertain, right? But what's your business like? It's great that you got good beer that people enjoy, but what's your business like? So there has been a lot of movement in these two years. 
There has been times when we had to step back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, redirect and, and pivot and do different things. And so to answer your question, nothing on tap right now. The demand is still there, but we had to pull back and like in the next, by the middle of December, we'll be on a lot of different taps. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it, that's not even the point though. Like the, the point that you, the cans are in the restaurants and things of that nature, like that, that's a win in regardless. How, uh, how many other different flavors or different styles are coming down the line or are there already out at the restaurants and different stores or what's, what's y'all plan on those? So in February, we did our first collab, uh, a black is beautiful collab with Cajun fire out of new Orleans. And yeah. I got one of their beers as well. Shout out to my man, John. And, and real quick, Cajun fire was the first black owned brewery slash beer brand I'd ever heard of. Like, I saw oh, an nice. article about them in Essence Magazine back in, like, 2012, right? Nice. And so to be able to do a collab with them, uh, it was with them and with Beltway Brewing out of Virginia, that was that was dope. You know what I'm saying? It was like a dream come true. Yeah. Um, and like I said, got to pay homage to him because he wanted the early, early folks in the game. And so we did that collab. Um, you know, we sold out at our accounts, and, like, we did pre-sales, and we sold out immediately in, like, 12 hours, something crazy like that, right? Oh, Very I, had proud that of beer. I, I had that beer actually. Now I think about it. I had that. Yeah, it's a beignet stout, seven yeah. percent. Um, we we tried to to mimic basically the feeling that you would get from going to Cafe Du Monde down right. in New Orleans, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had that roast, very roasty, multi flavor, like you're drinking a cup of coffee. And like we did a, I did a spot on Fox Five out here. We partnered with a black owned coffee shop that actually uh, specializes in beignets as well. Oh, so we did nice. like a segment with the the black owned beignets, the black owned beer. So it was super dope, man. Um, and then our next collab we did for Barrel and Flow, we did that with Trogues. And that mm-hmm. was uh, a Blackberry Schwartz beer called Blackberry Bliss. And that came out super dope as well. So that was August. Um, we've got a bunch of collabs lined up for, for next year. I can't say too much on that just yet. But as far as other flavors, we won't – so, okay. And my fault if I'm jumping around. This is – everyone assumes that this is just the Black Viking, right? Mm-hmm. Which he is a Black Viking. But like I said, there's a whole world of Black Vikings that are coming, right? That is our – this is our king, King Crux, uh, right? Uh, and so every okay. king got to have a queen. And so we have a queen's drink that we hammered down probably two, three months ago. We mm-hmm. got the logo, we got the package and all that, but it's just a matter of timing. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do something in the summertime, then the production schedule didn't line up, right. so we pushed it all the way back to spring. But the okay. queen is coming, and when the mm-hmm. queen gets here in March, she's going to be a beast. Like she's going to be a beast because she's going to add to the overall mythology of the Black Vikings that I'm building out, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so anything that we do as far as flavors um, or collabs, or new drinks is going to be a, just another brick in that mythology. Like mm-hmm. we ain't going to do a collab just for the sake of doing it. Like it has to make sense. Right. Okay. Um, but then also like, I don't want to be a super craft brewer. I'm making that very like known very, very much when I do black Mike and TV, when I speak on panels, right. If you want to do a 15% pastry stout brew with marshmallows and cacao nibs, Cool. I'm all for that. Right. And I enjoy those for black Viking. Our mission is very simple. 
Well, so it was simple, and then now it kind of changed, but it's going to make sense, right? right. So we <laughs> looked at the market and said there are 9,000 breweries in the country, right? Only 75 black-owned, so less than 1%. And none of those 75 black-owned breweries have national distribution. Mm. So our goal is to be the first black-owned nationally distributed beer brand, right? Okay. The reason why I said the mission changed is because we said, nah, that that ain't even we we thinking too small. We want to be we will be the world's first black owned internationally distributed. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> My man threw the air horns out there, right? Which I love air horns. By Every way. time it's a celebration. Every <laughs> time it's a celebration. Yo, so like that's what we on because and there's like I know we only got limited time, but if I could be as succinct as possible, right? No, we got enough time. Go ahead. Okay, so I, I just want to make sure because yeah, I ain't trying to try and belabor. You know, I ain't trying to bore y'all, right? And so, there for the for for years, the industry has said, "Why don't black people drink craft beer?" Right? Mm-hmm. The industry has said, "You you can go find think pieces and blogs. Black people don't drink craft beer." I I even read a blog. I forget exactly where it was. I'm gonna find the, the link and send it to y'all. And the author was a black dude. He said maybe black people just don't like craft beer. I was like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing right now, right? The thing is, and I've said this, I've had conversations with legislators. I've had conversations with distributors, with people who do who run on-prem, off-prem. I'm like, we have not been invited into the game, right? Yo, shout out to my man Dave Mack from Mack Brewing Co. out of Philly, man. Shout out to Mack. That's a real one right there. And he makes sure fire he beer. Yes, um, he does. Yeah. Right. So it's like we haven't been invited in. And I said to mm-hmm. a, a particular person, right, in the beer industry, I ain't going to name it. I ain't going to drop his name, right? But he was like, black people just don't seem to drink craft beer. That's why we not service in certain locations. I said, how many times have you got your hair cut in a black barbershop? He was like, uh, what does that have to do with anything? I said, just answer the question. How many times have you got your hair cut at a black barbershop? He was like, well, none. I said, where you go? Haircuttery, sports clips, something like that, right? He's like, yeah, I go to sports clips, right? I'm like, why? He was like, well, because it's convenient and because, you know, I said, and it, yeah, and like you can relate. The people look like you in there, right? Right. I said, but a black barber, everybody knows black barbers do the tightest lines, right? We can cut. The black barbers are all, if you see a black barber, he or she is a master barber. That means right. that they have been certified to be able to cut any type of hair. Right? right? I said, but you ain't ever been in there. You telling me the person that sports clips is nicer than this person? No. Well, what does that have to do with anything? I said, you've never gone in there because no one ever invited you in. Hmm. So you can sit there and tell me that, yeah, black people can go to whatever bar they want and they can go to whatever restaurant. Yes, but they've ne- we've never been explicitly invited into the party. Right? right? right. Because you could go into that black barbershop and they're going to cut your hair. They're going to treat you nice and all that, right? But you you know, you know, don't go in because there's a, 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 like, you have to demystify it. There has right. to be a point where you break that barrier, right? So that's what I, I knew that, like, we got 12 tenants of the Black Viking. Community, courage, discipline, honor, love, loyalty, Mother Earth, passion, perseverance, strength, vision, and wisdom, right? The first yeah. tenant is, that's the 12 stars that you see on here, right? Those okay. represent the 12 tenants. Community is the first tenant. So in order to build community, in order to go nationwide and then eventually international, we had to brew a beer 
that could that was very versatile, very drinkable mm. at a great price point. Mm -hmm. So if I release all four pack pints at eighteen dollars, I've already limited my market, right? right, right. Eighty percent of beer that's consumed in the United States of America is light lagers, right? right. So if you make a super niche beer, you now at most can access twenty percent of your buyers, and that's it's not even it's never going to be twenty percent. It'll never be twenty percent of the buyers. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I said. At most. Right. 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 Yeah. So I, I want a hundred percent. You just got twenty percent. You just got twenty percent of the eyes, maybe. But exactly. You don't have, you don't have twenty percent of the money at it, all. Lou, it's a niche beer. It's maybe one percent. Lou. Yeah. Talk to him, right? You, I feel. I feel what you. I hear where you where you going. I see so where you, you going. See where I'm going yeah, with this, right? Sure. So I Keep said, going. ain't no point in me. Like I don't care about. And again, this is just not my my ministry, right? It's not my my strategic plan. If you want to make niche beers and put out four packs and do a whole marketing campaign behind it and get hot on IG and have people buzzing about, cool, cool. You go do that, right? I'm not knocking that at all. And some of those beers I'm going to buy. But for me to play the long game, to one, have the most, the, the strongest economic impact, but then to also bring our people in, because if I hand someone who is not who is a beer novice, if I hand them a super complex beer, right, right. they're they're not gonna they're not gonna take it. They're not gonna mm -hmm. be as willing to accept it and then to try mm -hmm. other things. But I always say that Zynga beer is the people's beer. It's the world's most drinkable beer. It's your favorite beer's favorite beer. But it's also a gateway beer because for someone who is not familiar with craft beer, if I hand you this. Everybody knows what a black Viking is, right? Well, I'm sorry. Everyone knows what a Viking is. So then when I say a black Viking, and it, hey, it's brewed with ginger and honey. It's light. Oh, ginger and honey. Oh, yeah, I could dig that. Right. And people would try, oh, damn, this is good. Mm -hmm. And they'll check it out. You know what? Maybe beer is not so bad. Right. So what else is out there? Right. And that's where I'm linking up with the max of the world and the lib coach of the world to say, oh, now this is out there, right? Now you can holler at my folks doing X, Y, and Z. Right. So this is this is like Zynga beer to a certain extent is the bat signal. Right. They say mm. like, yeah, we want all the super talented brewers making super elite beers. That's cool. That's not what we're going to do. But like here, here they are. We can point to where those folks are. Right. So so I guess that, that brings a, um, a question I did have. So in terms of like, a, like like some people we talk to, like they're working on getting a brick and mortar. So you're. Your main focus is on distribution, distribution, distribution. It's not really. It's more about mass getting to that point where, because naturally you have to have a pretty good mass, mass uh, uh, production. So, so that's where the aim is for Black Viking. So yes and no. We came out the gate. Excuse me. We came out the gate when we launched on our the the first night that we launched October twenty third. We sold forty three cases of beer, and two half kegs. Right. That's a hell of a launch, if I do say so myself. Forty-three okay. cases, and we ran through a two a twenty-barrel batch in six days, mm -hmm. right? And then we had to go right back into the tanks, right back into the tanks because one, I had started, I had been doing the BYOB show, then I did started Black Viking TV four months before, which that was the whole thing. I shut down BYOB show, rebranded it as Black Viking TV, put it mm -hmm. on Instagram, right? And so we already had a buzz before we launched mm -hmm. and then it was like oh the beer is actually good and it's at a great price point right so people came out 
And so I'm like, yo, we, we got something here. Within two months of launching, we got approached by several folks in the business community, right? And in the commercial real estate community. Hey, we like to build your brick and mortar. And I'm like, well, we don't want a brick and mortar right now, right? Well, what if we came with $500,000 in subsidies and deferred the lease for two years? Yes, we want no. a brick and mortar. <laughs> so, so look, so now we went we saw some places and it's like, okay, yeah, this may work, right? Right. But, but and here, here comes the nuance in the game, right? Because when someone says a brick and mortar, what exactly do they mean? Right. right. Do you want a tap room or right. do you want a production facility? Those right. are two vastly different things. That is true. Gotcha. Yeah. So a lot of people that I talk to that say they want a brick and mortar. And again, this is no knock to anybody, but they're, they're not even sure. I'm like, which one do you want? And it's more like, well, we just want a brick and mortar. Well, cool. If you want a brick and mortar, then that like, but what does that look like? Right. It could, it could be a variety of different things. It could be a variety of different things. So that's where you got to educate Absolutely. yourself on the business, right? And have a strategy for what you're doing. If our goal is to go international, right? We might not necessarily need a tap room at first. Now, I would like to get a production facility at some point to bring our production mm-hmm. costs down. But in the meantime, we are contract brewing. And I'm very open about that because when I first got into the game, folks was acting like contract brewing was a dirty word. And I'm like, yo, right. that's what a lot of these brands have done to get started, right? Because there's less risk. There's right. less upfront costs because brewing beer is a very labor, I'm sorry, a very capital intensive uh, endeavor because you got to buy tanks, you got to get a building, you got to get insurance and all that. This is a multi-million dollar uh, endeavor. And a lot of the reason why black people can't get into it is because we don't have access to generational wealth, Right. Right. Our grandparents didn't get money from the GI Bill, right? We had redlining. We couldn't get legitimate home mortgages. So they didn't have a workhorse home to pass down or to refinance and use that as collateral to buy stainless steel tanks, right? right. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, eventually I have an idea about how we'll do a black Viking tap room with an incubator in there, okay. right, nice. for some of our folks. That's going to be down the line. Right now it is volume, 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 brand build, brand build, brand build, spread it to as many accounts as possible in Maryland. Then next year, Virginia, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. We're already in DC. And so then it's maybe a year down the line is production of production facility because we don't need a a super uh, like high level production facility in the sense where we're brewing a bunch of different beers. Right. We're brewing, one right, right now, right. like I told you, the Queens drink is coming. That'll be two, and then we'll do some one-offs here and there. So basically, we'll, we'll need a production facility for two different drinks. Right. right. Now, the the king and the queen, they normally have some babies. So is that like a two- to three-year program down the line where the prince comes through and the princess? Do you got a jester? Like, is it a whole royal court that's coming through? Like, how, how does that work? Will it be so, the twelve? Will it be 12? Because it seems like 12 is your number. Like, how how is that going to work? Hey, bro, I knew you was a smart dude. dude. I'm, I'm very smart. Yeah, thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up and letting everybody else notice how smart I, I appreciate that. Yes. You already know, bro. <laughs> so, there, so, I will say this. There will be a royal court in the world of the Black Vikings. Okay. Not everyone in the world royal court is going to have a drink. Mm. If that makes sense. So, the prince, the princess... Yes, to answer those questions, 
that's a couple years down the down right. the line. Absolutely. But, but we're building that out now. Their logos and their their attire, all of that is being crafted right now as we speak. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Like so, my king, he got a sword, he got a shield. Right. My queen got some weaponry. Right. They got names. Like I sit down with a vi- a Viking archaeologist, like literally a lady who has a PhD in Viking ar- Viking archaeology once a quarter mm. to flush this out. And yeah. combined with my background in world building and screenwriting, right? Like, bruh, I'm telling you, yeah, you about thing, to have it's about to be a he man, like you about to have uh, die cast models and, and little dolls and everything. Yes, why sir. not? Go why ahead not? have a cart. Go ahead and make a cartoon movie, cartoon comic Ooh. books. Why not? Yeah, why yeah. Not? Why, not? Yes. why not? Yes, I love. It. Yeah, yes. like why yes. not? Yes, I love right? it. I love so it. That's that. Like you see the vision. So in five years, when this vision is at, like, bro, this is this is my life's work. Mm. Like that's where like I've had conversations with certain people, and they spicy. I'm like, bro, you can't beat me, right? Because one, your lane is your lane, and my lane is my lane, right? right? right. But I'm not in this to be hot. I'm in this to be forever. Mm. Like I want this to be something that changes the world, and like the same energy and passion that I had playing basketball in high school. And as a scholarship athlete, I'm taking that into this vi- this black Viking beer. So, like, I love it. I yeah. never, I work corporate jobs and taught my whole adult career, right? And it's like, you do it, you get your check, whatever, right? But this, I love it. And I'm all the way in. So, mm-hmm. I'm thinking five, ten years down the road. I'm not even thinking ne- about, you know, next month or two months out. Like, of course, I'm thinking about it, but you get what I'm saying. It's I'm a bigger planning, vision. Yeah, yeah right. I'm planning for five, ten years out. So mm-hmm. everything that you just said, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Is, is uh is uh the original brewer of the ginger beer, ginger honey beer, is he still part of the, the is he still the head brewer? Yeah, so no. So, you know, and again, this comes down to business. Yeah. Right? We got to a point because like I said, things went very quickly for us, right? And are going very quickly for us. And we had to have some some honest conversations. You know what I'm saying? And Jamil, he had a lot going on, you know, um, just a lot going on, like other interests, right? Mm. And so the time commitment, he didn't have the, the the time to commit to this endeavor. And so he still is a, a minority owner in the company. Um, two of my other homeboys who are very savvy businessmen came on as my business partners, and I'm okay. the majority owner of Black Viking Brewing. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. He, 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 he made, made sure we knew it was... The beer business. <laughs> hey, hey, look, but real talk, and I'm not, I promise I'm not trying to be funny at all, right? Right, right. Like, and like, shout out to Mac and Latifa. I seen Latifa jump on as well. We've had those conversations. Right. Where I'm like, bro, this is not about who makes the best beer. Like, yes, I want you to make incredible beer, right? Mm-hmm. This is about who makes the best beer and who has the best packaging, the best story, the best vision, and the best business acumen. Right. Like folks see see me on Black Viking TV and they think like, oh, that's all I do. I just j- jump on the thing and go ooh, ooh and drink beer and act wild. Right. right. I'm like, that's less than one percent of what I actually do. That's for you. My that's you letting your, you like your hair now. That's you having a good time. Thank, 
That, right. that's, that's, and that's you doing business, but actually enjoying all of the whole hundred well, percent of, of this still part of marketing. Of I mean, it's still it is. It absolutely. Is. But uh, it's the, it's uh, the actual part that he really you can tell Sean really enjoys, and you crafted that to be like this is a break from the the rigmarole of everyday life in the beer industry. But I can still talk beer and be with my the first pillar community. You can still be with my. Man, I'm about to I, get me on the board. I, we got to talk after this. I I think I'm about to drive down to Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, but let's do it, though, man. Like, yeah. hey, like you see, I, I love it because you're seeing the whole vision. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the whole vision because Black Viking TV is work. But like you said, Lou, it's the part that I actually enjoy. Right. I don't enjoy right. driving around big cases of beer in my Hyundai Santa Fe, right? I don't enjoy crafting invoices or having to chase those invoices down right i don't enjoy having to sit in meetings about you know potentially getting some financing or potentially doing x y and z deal i don't enjoy those things they're a necessary part of the business right right but my thing is i enjoy the people i love people like i was adopted i was an only child and i grew up playing basketball my whole life i love that sense of camaraderie you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying and like even like going back into my personal story, like my mom, like I said, adopted. She had gotten a car accident when I was three years old, like flatlined a bunch of times on the operating table, pulled through miraculously, was handicapped the rest of her life. And she was a beer drinker, right? Mm. And I couldn't understand. Like she had me taste a little sip of beer when I was a kid. I'm like, how do you drink? This is disgusting. <laughs> like a Coke 45 or Slish Mold like a boy. I'm like, what is this, right? And so, unfortunately, she passed away from a massive heart attack my freshman year in college. Mm. And I still was able to go through finishing four years, all-conference basketball player. And I think about my mother every day because I'm like, bro, I can't. She would be like, this is nuts. Like, my son owns a a beer company that's changing the game right now. Mm -hmm. Right? So, Mm -hmm. that's driving me every single day. But, like, you know, back to the original point, I love people. I love community. And... So that like that's a perfect way to put it, Lou. Even though I'm bald, that's a way on Black Viking oh, TV to Look let my hair down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I enjoy that part. And really, also again from a strategic standpoint, you see all these liquor brands starting with these celebrities, right? They got celebrity uh, frontmen, right? Okay. And some of them are doing well, some of them not so well, right? But I said to myself. What if I was the the quote-unquote celebrity or the more uh, visible person? If people could relate to me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not The Rock or Kevin Hart or Ryan Reynolds. Like, and shout out to them dudes, you know what I'm saying? Good for, I hope they do extremely well. But, like, what if I'm the one that's out there championing my own brand and, like, I've built this thing from the ground up myself? Mm-hmm. Like, they're a celebrity. They're going to win. They're going to, you know, beat me now, so to speak. But in the long run, you can't beat that. Because the 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 will of the people, when you got the power of the people behind you in a very genuine, organic way, that's always going to push you to the top. Right. And the number one spirit uh, spirits brand in the country is what? Do y'all know what it is? Mm-mm. Take take no. a guess. Uh, the number one spirits brand in the country. Spirit, spirit brand in the country. I'm testing y'all now. It's Tito's. Y'all. It's Tito's, right? Yeah. Okay. Tito's is not ultra and who is Tito? <laughs> Tito's is not top never shelf, so never to speak, right? right? And you never even see, you don't know what Tito looks like. Nah. Right. But uh-uh. when you read Tito's backstory, Tito built that thing from the ground up. 
he went out and he got the accounts. He went out and he taste tested his vodka against other people's vodka. He won awards. And now, like I said, number one spirits brand in the country. And it seemed like it came out of nowhere, too. But but again, Lou, that's because he built it organically. Yeah, yeah. Like, I did so the feel, research on yeah. it. Right? So it feels it's like still, overnight, it's still but it's a not. Decade, it's, yeah, it's still a decade's worth of more, even right. more probably of, of hard work and getting it through. And then here come Tito's in two years. And you're like, Tito's the biggest brand. I never even heard of Tito. Like, I, I had to think about I'm like, I'm a guest Tito's just because I hear about it all the time. But like, right. six years ago, I wasn't saying, I wasn't even mentioning it. Exactly, right. bro. I, exactly. I know what, yeah. So you got, you hit it right on the head. And then the, the second question I'm going to ask you is, how many flavors does Tito's make? One. They just have One. <laughs> Yeah, he don't have no blueberry. He don't have no cotton candy. <laughs> ain't no cotton candy vodka Tito's. Not at all. You can put your cotton candy in the Tito, right. but it ain't it ain't flavor with no. Right. Well, well, I think the first uh, first thing a business always do if you do something well, do that one thing well. Yeah. And if you if you are passionate about that one thing, you will find success for sure. You're right, Rob. You're right, Rob. That's that's that's, that's, that's it. what you're doing, Sean. That's exactly what you're doing. Like I got I got a vision, I got a plan, but y'all gonna I'm gonna hit you in the head. And keep banging you in the head with this ginger honey until y'all uh, love it. <laughs> like basically, that's it. Well, from first so sip, you, first, from first sip, you love it. Yeah. So, I mean, but you got to get it to their lips. Right, you got to get you got to right. get it to their lips. Right, yeah, because because yeah. once you taste it, it's like like you said, it's a gateway. It's a gateway brew. It's, it's real light. It, it is. It's a gateway, and you you got the market. Eighty percent is light beer. Cheers, bro. Cheers. I like what you're going. I, I like what's going it, on over there, man. I appreciate I'm moving it. Man. To, moving to Maryland. I'm moving to Maryland. <laughs> I appreciate y'all, man. So yeah, that's the that's the vision, man. That's the you know again. I play ball my whole life, right? And like, what do we do? What do you do if you play any sport, any you know against a team or whatever? You're going to scout the other team, right? You're gonna watch their plays. You're gonna know exactly what people's tendencies are, right? Like my coach said to me in college, they still got to stop it. Mm. <laughs> they still got to stop it. So I'm like, you know, folks have said to me, bro, you giving away the game or you doing X, Y, and Z or what does somebody do the same beer as yours? First of all, you can't trademark a recipe because someone can take that recipe, tweak one thing, and then now it's their recipe, right? Mm -hmm. Second thing, if you go into a bunch of different tap rooms and production facilities, the brewers will, maybe they will or won't tell you, I mean, they've told me multiple times, though, that, like, yeah, I had a beer from such and such, and then I just copied that. Cool. But then the <laughs> the, the, the question is, how do you sell it? Because right. just because you copied it, how do you right. still get someone to buy it? Right. That's where the marketing comes in, right? right? So it's like, yeah, I'm telling y'all exactly what I'm doing, exactly what, what my blueprint is, what my strategy is. And I'm not worried about being beat out because no one's going to champion like, I'm going to champion the hell out of my brand every single day. Right. I'm going to knock on the doors. I'm going to follow up. I'm going to uh, shoot the emails and make the calls. I'm going to be having meetings that nobody knows about, not to sound, you know, elitist or nothing like that. But I'm going to be, you know, doing super, like, you know, intensive research to find out how do I connect X, Y, and Z. I'm going to be doing all of that. And if someone else does that, they're going to be successful, too. Right. Mm. There's enough space for all of us out here, especially yeah. in the black beer game, because it's such a, a, a untapped market. Right. This is really just the beginning for us. Right. And I said very early on, those of us and Matt can attest to this. Those of us 
that have a vision and execute on it are going to be wealthy. Right. That's just, that's what it is, mm-hmm. right? So whether you're in Delaware, whether you're in Maryland, whether you're in California, if you have a vision in this beer game and you execute on your vision the right way, you're going to win. Right. Now, who's going to tap out, though? Right? right? Some yeah. people are going to tap out. I'm not going to tap out. Right, right. It may be a month early. You tap right. out and he was right around the corner. Or she was right around the corner to give you the check. Bro, <laughs> you tapped out. Bro, I told somebody. We, we didn't had a conversation about that. So, yeah. Bro, I mm. told somebody from the state of Maryland, right? And I'm, I'm going to put somebody on, but I ain't going to put the name on blast. But somebody from the state of Maryland was giving me a very hard time about something, right? And it was just racist stuff that we all go through, right? Unfortunately, right? And I stopped and I looked at dude. I said, my man, I'm willing to die for this. Like, so I don't care what you keep throwing at me. I'm not going to stop until either I die or I get what I want. Mm. Right? A couple of days later, things started changing. Mm. It was that type of conversation, though. You know what I'm saying? Because right. it's like you got to let folks know that, like, yeah, I'm not going to back down ever. Right. I'm going to keep going. Like, because I believe my brand and I believe in the larger purpose of what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got black people out there that make incredible beer. I want them to have opportunities to get that to the world. You know what I'm saying? And, like, for folks out there that'll say something like, oh, well, you know, is it just for black people? Of course not. I always say we're black-owned. We're not black-only. We're for everybody. Mm. But we are not going to shy away from the fact that we are 100% black-owned. We're not going to shy away from the fact that black people have been un- underrepresented in this industry and that I'm very passionate about getting more and more black people into the industry, whether that's brewing, whether that's marketing, whether that's, um, you know, finance, whether that's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, creating labels, whether that's social media campaigns. This is a whole industry. It's just like the NBA. You see 15 or 10 dudes on the court, right? There's a whole bunch of other dudes and ladies that do the training, man, that man. do the ticket sales, right? And they yes. all getting checks. Yes, I was just telling my son this today. Like he, my son plays basketball. He in the ninth grade. He he going through some things with basketball. Right. And I'm like, yo, you love basketball? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yo, you're not making an NBA. I'm gonna tell you that right now. You not. It's only Thank 300 you. people in there, and they only make they only take 50 every year, and they don't lose 50. So them 50 that they take don't even make it. Right. So you're not going to make it to the NBA. But you can still make the games for free. You love the game? You can still get in the games for free. Right. Michael Wilbon ain't never dribbled a basketball professionally. He he can go in every game anywhere he wants. Michael Korn, Kornheiser, all them, Stephen A. Smith, all them people, they never dribbled a basketball professionally and can get in these games. And like you said, it's the trainer, it's the coach, it's the commentator, it's the, the person who owns the building that y'all playing in, all these different ways that you can get in this damn game and watch it. <laughs> and it's the same thing with keep going. I'm sorry. Hey, look, I, was, nah, I just look, I, I literally just last week we was I was telling them, I don't care if you play basketball. I'm sorry. I don't care if you play basketball, son. You it doesn't matter if you love basketball, just be involved. Like that's that's it. That's that's the key. Like you want to have your your sneakers in the back and your basketball in your trunk. And if you see a game and you got some time, you want to be able to play. That's the love of of whatever you're doing and basketball is the example here, but that's the love that you're supposed to have and the passion that you're showing in, in black Viking beer. 
And I think that you bring, like you said, you bring it from basketball because you know you didn't you you're not in the nba but you still got the passion for basketball i know you got a ball in your car i know you got sneakers to play i know you working out i i already because it's the love that you have and you just transferred the profession that you're not in the nba to now i'm gonna do i'm gonna be a professional beer beer hawker i'm gonna hawk this beer until i die hey look and i'm gonna be the best one that does this because can't can't nobody tell me to be seven foot like seven foot in a jumper don't matter here it's right. just hard work and determination that makes you the best beer guy, and you got and you're doing what you're what you want to do in that in that respect. Peace. Hey, Lou, bruh, you, that was a mic drop moment right <laughs> there, like for real, because the, everything you said is spot on. Like, yo, I tell my sons the same thing. Like, the chances of you being a professional athlete are very very slim, right? So, if I say that, and I used to coach basketball, I used to train kids, I trained all from middle school all the way up to NBA players, right? Right. And I tell kids, man, you're not going to the NBA, right? And some of the parents will be like, why would you tell them that? I said, if that's what stops them from going to the NBA because I told them they wasn't going, they, they had no going. chance. They, they, they had didn't no, have a shot. Right. They had no chance. Right. I said, right. and if they make it, I take them to whatever restaurant they want. I take them to Bruce Chris. <laughs> I take them to wherever they want, the Ocean Air in D.C. I take them wherever they want. I buy them a $200 dinner, right? And I'll say I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And most of those kids, when they got into college, some of them playing D1 basketball right now, coach, thank you for saying that to me. Thank you because it made me focus more, right? right? right. It made me see the bigger picture. Now I'm doing an internship with my coach that I'm learning to coach the game. Mm -hmm. Or I'm chilling with the videographer. I'm learning how to get into that aspect. So if it don't work out or whenever I'm done, then I could just pivot and do that. I right? still love basketball. Like exactly. basketball could still pay me. Like it you don't got to play me. basketball to to get paid off a of ball, man. Like exactly, bro. And like the earlier son, that these young kids figure this out, like you could love Michael Jordan and LeBron James, but the earlier you figure out you, the chances of you being him, like he won the mutant, he won the mutation lottery. That dude's exactly, a bro. Like, like you're not exactly. no mutant. I'm five foot eight, son. Right. You're never gonna be. You're never gonna be six seven. I'm sorry. Right. Like, exactly. But you're born. Like you wouldn't right. be born if it wasn't for me either. Right. So what you want? What you? I don't. I can't. I can't help it hurt you here. I'm sorry. Hey, look, but that's real though. That's real. Yeah, me and my sure. my 16 year old son. We started a basketball podcast called The Hoop Life with Sean and Sean when mm-hmm. he was 12. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. After this, me and him going to shoot an episode, right? It's on Spotify, it's on Apple, it's on all that. Nice. We might get eight listens, 20 listens. We don't get a lot of listens, but he's learning. This mm-hmm. is our fourth season mm-hmm. doing this. We got 100-plus episodes. So yeah. by the time he finishes high school, because he's a sophomore now, he's going to have 200-plus episodes. He's going to be able to put that on resumes. Yeah, he's a, he producer. Already got pe- he's a producer. That's what I'm saying. And so He's like, a podcaster. Already- like, all that stuff nowadays, that matters on your resume. Those those it, things matter. It absolutely does. And I got friends in the entertainment industry that's like, yo, he now that he turns 16 next summer, he's going to come intern for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because he's been putting in that work. So right. you're 100% right, bro. Like, I'm watching the, the Commanders-Vikings game right now. My man, Jamal Stevenson, y'all can look him up, right? On the Vikings website, he went to Brown, played D back there, wasn't good enough to make it into the NFL, right? Immediately came out, started working for various NFL teams, right? Getting coffee, making copies, all that stuff, right? Within two years, he was on the scout team for the Vikings, right? Mm -hmm. He moved up to become the head of college scouting, right? 
And last year he got another promotion to become the senior, one of the senior vice presidents for the Minnesota Vikings. And every year he cut, this is my friend, my friend, friend for 20 years. Right. (laughs) Right, And he comes back because I'm in education and he'll come back. He'll speak to my kids. Right. And he'll say, this is what we're looking for. You know, boom, boom. And some kids get it. Some don't. Right. But some kids see it as an opportunity to like, okay, I know I got to work on my 40 time or my bench press or whatever. Other kids are like, this black dude is, is writing reports. You know what I'm saying? He's scouting people and breaking down the game. Like, I could do that. I love the game, right? And he told a young boy a couple years ago, he said, they was like, what's the best thing about your job? He was like, I love the game. I get paid off it. Like you said, Lou, he said, but I'll never have to have an ACL surgery. Never. I'll never have to worry about tearing my rotator cuff. Nope. CTE is not a thing for me no more. Right. He like, is not a problem. Right. He's like, I'm good. He's like, I'll have this job. Until I'm 75 years old. And look, and every single football player on that to whatever team he you said the Vikings. Every every football yep. player that comes to the Vikings, shake his hand and say, What's up? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what's up? And I ain't counting Jamal's pockets, but he lives good. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> he lives good. Look, I'm gonna say everybody who who got a VP next to their name right. and the Vikings, yeah, they fine. Right. Yeah, so he's living very good. good. And like you said, he don't have the wear and tear on his body. That's for an average of four. And then let's let's be real. If you we go on NFL, we're talking about NFL, it's only four years average. Facts. Like, like it, and it's four years with Tom Brady's 21 years being added to the average. Right. Facts. So that's 15 extra years. Right. At, so that so that means that somebody lasted three months. Right. Exactly. Somebody got drafted and didn't even make it to training camp. Yeah. That's what that's what I'm telling. It's so many other avenues in the in the in the fields that y'all want to do, kids. So kids, yeah. like <laughs> like if you if you the mutant if you the mutant you a five star recruit, go ahead and get that get that money and, and play you. But at the same time, like know that it ain't it's a it's an end to it regardless. Like nobody no it ain't no Tom Brady's. He's a one in a lifetime type of type of guy. Right. Ain't nobody playing forty year old basketball and forty year old football. Like that's that's crazy. So. It has to be an end to it. So get your get your ducks in a row. So when it's over, if it's over in college, if it's over in high school, if it's over in middle school, you have a path that if you love sports enough, there's a way you can still be involved. That's it. Yep. That's, hey, look, yep. and I know we we kind of you know went off on the free flowing. We free sports, flowing, man. But we free yeah, flowing. but it's the same thing. It's the same principle. Yep. It's the same principle. I want my kids. When I talked about not my my actual children, I'm talking about my black kids, right? When I talked about us opening up a tap room with an incubator space, that's going to happen in the next couple of years. And that's why I've been at Annapolis, at the State House, having meetings with different representatives, right? Because I said, with all these HBCUs in Maryland, in and around mm-hmm. Maryland, you're telling me we can't set up some type of program where it's kids that's in the chemistry department or they're in the culinary arts department or they're doing whatever. Like they may really enjoy making beer or yeah. selling beer or marketing beer or coming up with food that pairs with beer. You're telling me we shouldn't pull from that 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 those talent pools at Bowie State and at UMES and right, at Coffin State. Yep, You're telling State, me we shouldn't yep, do yep. that? And they like, mm-hmm. well, damn, now that you said something about it, we should. Cause I'm like, they just sitting there. That's just giving them another option. Right. Right. Why right. shouldn't we do that? So we're gonna do that. Right. So, so tell me more about the incubator uh, thing that you that you want to get going on. Like, what what is it? Because it seems 
from that little aspect, from that aspect, what you just said there, it seems like it's you want to get college kids involved in beer. But I thought when you said it the first time that you it was an experimental beer place where other brewers and home brewers would come in, or is it all of that? Hey, I'm, on the bo- I'm on the board, Sean. Hey, Sean, hey, Sean, if you don't put me on this goddamn board at the end of this podcast, like, I'm expecting an email tomorrow. Hey, like tomorrow hey, like, is the first business day. Hey, like for real, bro. Because like, well, tell I said, me about it. Tell it's me about coming it. through clear for you, bro. Like it's all of that. It's all of that. So it, again, if I could go back, right? Like let's go way back. If you listen to to conventional wisdom, you will think that. Uh, brewing and beer started in Western Europe and mm. Belgium and Germany. You would think that, right? right. But it's it. like, no, we have archaeological evidence that Africans were brewing beers thousands of years right. before Belgians and Germans. Mm-hmm. Those are the facts. That's not me being on some like super pro black, like, listen, that's a fact, right? You can like Google this stuff, it's very easy. To, to find, right? And so even fast forward to the founding of this country, right? White people were not brewing beer like that. Beer Brewing beer was seen as a domestic chore that most enslaved Africans were doing. So like at, at uh, you know, Thomas Jefferson's spot out in Virginia, it was the enslaved Africans and a lot of times enslaved African women that were doing the beer brewing, right? right? So right. then you have to say, why is it, why do we own less than 1% of breweries? Because it's like the things I mentioned earlier. It costs a lot of money to open a brewery. Right. It does, right? Mm-hmm. It, it costs a lot of money to buy the equipment, to hire staff. It costs a lot of money to acquire institutional knowledge to properly open the brewery, right? Yes. Yes. And we have not had access to those things. So if I talk to a lot of brewers, white brewers throughout the country, which I have, like I said, there's a lot of, well, someone in my family refinanced the home to help pay for my brewery. Or I took out my 401k, right? Cashed out my 401k to pay for my brewery. Or I had a bunch of friends and family members come together and, you know, contribute six figures to help me start my brewery, right? Right. Right. Sam Calajone himself in his book, I listened to the audio book, right? He talks about his father and his father-in-law being very astute businessmen, putting money into Dogfish Head in the early days, right? Right. Like, like this is not on accident. So if we don't have money to start breweries, it's like that is obviously a major barrier to entry. And for me, what I said to people very early on, it was like, you're not a brewery and I'm not trying to be mean to you right now, but you're, if you don't have a brick and mortar, you are not a brewery. You are a beer brand, right? Black Viking is a beer brand. That is a subtle, but important distinction, right? Because I cannot just go and whip up. Oh, I want to do this beer and I want to whip it up. I can't do that unless I have a brewery. So your job should be to build your brand as much as you can. Yeah. Right. Like that's the, the main like this is about who can, of course, have the best beer, but who can build the best brand. And so that was the approach that we took. Right. And so now to get to your point about the incubator program, if a, a big 
uh, a lot of barriers to entry are financial and again, having that institutional knowledge and just demystifying the space, right? When we have a tap room, we can say, hmm, so, you know, you're a home brewer. You don't want to, to, to invest in a whole bunch of equipment. You don't want to put out, you know, you don't want to do 500 barrels of beer, right? But maybe you want to do 10, right? right? And maybe instead of, because brewing beer is not that expensive, right? The actual production of the beer. Now, of course, when you contract brew, you're going to pay for all the labels, cans, ingredients, but you're also going to pay a production fee to that brewery, right? They're going to they're going tax you, right? Rightfully right, right. so. I understand because you're using their equipment, right? But what if we bring that production fee down so it's manageable, right? right. So what if now instead of you having to spend $30,000 or $300,000, you spend two to $3,000, right? Mm-hmm. And we can say, like, some people say, well, why don't you make it free? No, we want you to have some skin in the game, right? Like, you really want to get serious about this, right? right? You gotta, so Yeah, you got to pay to play. Right. You got to pay to play, right? And most incubators is, is more of a, a thing where it is it's businesses, but you are pulling, pooling resources. It's not like... Uh, it's not like a grant program. It's still a business hmm. that they're using some of the they, they, resources they need to and make knowledge money and too. stuff like that. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, that would just be go- and as an incubator. That is kind of what it, it's more about the support system and the resources that you would think you would need. Absolutely. And so, but my thing is this too. We would. This is not even something that we would look to make money off of. Maybe a little bit, but it's like, no, we're going to make sure that you get set up with your LLC Right. As you get set up with your IP stuff, right? So this beer can actually go to market, right? This is not just for, in my vision, this is not for the home brewer that wants to, you know, be cool. This is, and there's nothing wrong with that. This yeah. is for the home brewer that wants to explore possibly taking the next step. Right. And so in order to, to bring your beer to market, your label has to be clear with the TTB. Like I said, you have to have an LLC. You have to have um, your IP intact so no one can come along. I've seen people, they get a bunch of beer brewed, their IP is not intact, then they receive a cease and desist, and then they got to pay for beer that they can't even take to market, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. We're trying to help you avoid all of that, right? So, yeah, we might, you know, we're not going to bust you in the head with no crazy production fee. It'll be a very collaborative thing, right? you basically paying for the beer to be produced. We're, we'll have our facility to do it, right? And then it's like, okay, we'll do a little launch party or taste test or whatever at our spot. You can bring your people and then you can see how this actually goes. And we can put the beer into the market for you through our distribution channels. Mm -hmm. And then you can get the money from that. We won't even take the money from that, right? You take the money to put that into your coffers to say, okay, this is what, like, okay, now I got a little bit of money. Am I trying to up the the batch for next time? Is this something I want to do or did I just make a few thousand dollars? Because mm-hmm. if you contract brew, the margins are not great at all, at all. I'm very transparent about that, right? Which that part has held a lot of people back. But I said to folks, you are you getting paid off of this anyways? Because almost all of us <laughs> got full-time jobs. So if you're not getting paid anyways, why are you tripping off your margins? Right. You right. should be trying to get your volume up so you can scale the thing, right? right? That That's, that's been true. my approach. So, yeah, we'll help do all of that as far as that piece, right? Then partner with the college kids to say this is how you even brew beer right and this is what it takes to brew a beer and then to take it to market right and you never know what like what that's going to spark in the kid because like mm-hmm. i said they may want to get get into becoming a brewer 
or they may want to get into one of the different facets of beer or may just introduce them into a, like beer in general. They're like, you know what? I really do like a Belgian Trapel. I really do like a Hell's Lager, right? So it's just, you know, anything that I do, I want to educate, elevate, and empower, man. And so, like, that's what the, the basis of this incubator program will be. Nice. That's, that's dope. Um, I have a question actually going, jumping back kind of to the uh, distribution, like in terms of the distribution strategy and the plan. Is it more like you're going to go more self-distribution to national or are you going like, are you aiming for a national distributor or is it like a national or a network of distributors to get to national? Hey, bro. Yeah. Hey, look, y'all some smart dudes, man. <laughs> like, and I'm not even trying to be funny. Cause like y'all really understand the game. Like y'all asking all the right questions, right? And so that's another thing, Rob, like you can't self like, bro, if you like, and this, this joint really like gets me real amped up. Cause I'm like, if you go to a major distributor, right? A major distributor is a billion dollar company or at least a nine figure company, right? right? They have a fleet of trucks a fleet of salespeople. They have route optimization technology. They have infrared technology in their cold rooms, right? And most big distributors, really all big distributors, are what's either going to be a a Bud Lighthouse or Miller, a Bud House or a Miller House, meaning that their bread and butter, their backbone of their operation is Budweiser or Miller Coors, right? And for those big dogs... They typically have, and I'm, I'm giving a lot of game right now. They typically <laughs> have something in the contract that says your cold box cannot vary between these degrees. We can check remotely where the where our product, like what the, the temperature is where our product is. We can mm-hmm. send somebody from our corporate office 24 hours a day to come check our product, mm. right? So you telling me you're going to self-distribute against that? <laughs> like, there's no chance. And so the thing that we I didn't even know when we launched, Maryland is one of the only states where you can self-distribute, right? And so when we launched and we had a lot of buzz, we were able to, we got a lot of calls. We did a lot of earned media, Fox 5, um, Channel 4, things of that nature, right? Shoot me, and the social media. So the calls are just rolling in, and we had to service all of those accounts. Now, I was like, damn. At first, this is great. You know, I'm dropping off my beer. I'm right in. But eventually, you're like, nah, this ain't great. This ain't great, right? But because we were able to build a buzz and, again, build a brand and then put numbers on the board, then we started getting approached by larger distributors to say, we've seen what what you're doing. And then they meet with me. They like the business plan. They like the passion. They like the story behind the Black Viking. And they like the the beer, Right. So we've got some things on the table right now where in the next four to six weeks, our availability, our stores will go from 30, like 35 to about two, 300. Nice. Nice. Right. Thank you. So, but that we still, again, those things are, are on the table right now. But and we're negotiating attorneys are, you know, doing what they do or whatever. So we still got to sign the paperwork because I'm no fool. I know that until paperwork is signed, nah. then it ain't done yet. So nah, that's why sure. you haven't you haven't seen no grand announcement or anything like that. Because I'm like, let's get this all, all the ducks in a row. Right, and man. then like you'll see announcements, you'll see promo videos, things of that nature. But yes, to answer your question, Rob, we want to dominate 
the Maryland market, okay. right? And that means getting into every single account that there is. There's over three, 4,000 different beer accounts throughout the state of Maryland, right? We want to get into all of them, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to come up to Delaware and do the same thing, right? Yeah. We will be licensed in Virginia Q1, probably the end of Q1 uh, in 2023. Okay. We will be licensed in Pennsylvania Q1 of 2023. So, so let will, me let me backtrack for a second. When you say you're licensed in a, a particular state, that means you you're able to go into the different uh, beer stores and and restaurants and things and 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 sell your beer to them. Absolutely, uh, it's, it's, it's no stipulations after you're licensed within the state. Right. So there are certain stipulations. It is a state by state thing. Yes, to answer right. your question. Okay. But, then each state has different distribution laws. Right. So, like, for example, if I want to go into Virginia, when we go into Virginia, we can't sell beer in Virginia until we sign with a distributor. Right. And that okay. contract is a lifetime contract, right? Mm. And so, so if, you, if you sign with distributor A, y'all can't dissolve the trunk contract at all? Y'all no. can renegotiate it, but y'all still always getting distributed by... This Virginian contract, contract company. That is wild. Right. And that, that's very wild, right? So, In perpetuity? I like saying that word. <laughs> but and you never get a good chance. You never get a good chance to say per- in perpetuity. In but per- in perpetuity? In perpetuity. God, that's wow. crazy. It is crazy, right? And so, bruh, see, look, that's what I said, man. Y'all, I'm like, this is just a lot of fun right now, right? And so, like, because... Again, y'all asking all the right questions. So I heard when I first got into the beer game, you don't want to sign with a distributor because uh-huh. then they own your brand, right? Right. Because in in essence, they do, right? Because they they are they can control who gets your beer, right? Uh-huh. To a certain okay. extent. Or they can what happens is people will be worried about signing with a distributor and then their brand gets buried, right? Yeah, it's hot. They the sales reps pushing it for a week or two or a month, or whatever. Then three months in, they not pushing it no more, and your sales just plummet, right? It's like a you record label, re, re, like a record label, right? So, like again, entertainment industry, beer industry, right? Yeah. So, my thing is this: I said, but why would you let your beer get pushed to the bottom, right? Like, why would you let that? Because I'm in these streets. I'm in the, I'm really, I, I really pull up on people. You know what I'm saying? And that's the part that I enjoy, back to your, your earlier point, Lou. I enjoy dapping people up. I enjoy, like, learning about people's families. I enjoy learning about what type of beer people like. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't even like my beer. Cool. But what beer do you like, right? I bought so many beers for people, even since we launched Black Viking. I'll be at the bar and buy a beer for somebody just to have a conversation with them. They don't. They might not even know I own Black Viking. Right. Then they're like, "Well, what do you do?" Matter of fact, I own X One. For real, man. Let me go buy a six pack right now. Oh, this beer is good. Now they telling everybody. You <laughs> right, know what I'm saying? Right. It's a very organic thing, right? right? And so to go state by state, you have to within like going into Pennsylvania. And I haven't really dug into Delaware too much yet, but I got I've had a lot of great meetings in Pennsylvania that came from Barrel and Flow. That's a whole another story. Not I yet. tell you that one offline. But, like, Pennsylvania, um, yeah, we have to sign a contract with a distributor. And you just have to make sure that the, the values align. You know what I mean? Right. Wow. So 
that's my my thing is to dominate not only Maryland but the DMV plus Delaware and uh, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and then eventually somebody's gonna come calling, right? All right, all right? Whether that's a Boston Beer Company, whether mm-hmm. that's a Diageo, right? We've had some preliminary right. conversation with them. Whether that's just folks that you know the bank opening up like money, like real money for us to just build our own production facility. Right. Like the, the, again, the, the goal is to scale. Right. right. And so we have, because of social media and black Viking TV, we have demand all, all over the country. Right. right? People from California to yes. London yes. that's asking for our beer. Yes. Right. So we can take that to people and say the demand is there. Right. The sales numbers are strong. Our pull through rate is very high. Right. And for those that don't know what a pull through rate is, that's how often your beer is selling. Mm. So basically, how many cases per, per week, how many cases per month are you selling, right? Mm-hmm. We have a, a very strong pull-through rate as far as people rebuying the beer, and we have no marketing dollars, right? This is all off word of mouth, nice. social media, earned media. Yeah, right. that's great. Right. That's, he can't beat that. Right. Yeah, so that's the goal, man. Right, because mm-hmm. the price point has to be like we were talking about earlier. The price point has to be somewhere where people are comfortable. Because I think I had a, a conversation with a beer distributor. He was like, "Yeah, my clientele don't want to really pay forty dollars for a, a six pack." Uh, so, so the fact that so that you allow you have that sweet spot where people are like, "It's a good beer," as well as uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, at a price it's a price point and, that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. As well, especially if I'm not a beer drinker, so to right. say, like I'm really into this life. But if I'm going to just have a casual. Uh, I'm a casual beer drinker, and I see this on the shelf. I'm like, oh, let me try this out. So you, you definitely have that that nice. Listen, even even spot. I look at a six pack that's forty dollars and be trepidatious. <laughs> right. Like exactly. I, that's so. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Exactly. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> right. right. Well, I should say forty, but right. like twenty five dollars for four yeah. pack. Oh. Four pack. oh. I'm, that's bought. <laughs> for, for some people, though, it's like, eh. yeah, some, yo, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Especially because because Budweiser don't. I don't know how much Budweiser costs, but I know Budweiser twenty five dollars for six. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's six dollars for six. You get six dollars for 20, 48 cases. No, nah, I'm just joking. But, yeah, for like twenty four dollars. <laughs> hey, but like fellas, though, even putting your beer in a sixteen ounce can, right? Screams niche. Screams craft. Some right. people won't buy beer in a. Most people prefer beer in a twelve ounce can over a sixteen ounce can. Not craft beer connoisseurs. I'm talking about most people, right? right? right. And then you have to understand that. In I know why that lot, is. But I'm sorry. What you say? I thought I said I think I know what that why that is. Like Rob told me one day, like the temperature changes on the beers. So if you have it in a a bigger glass or you have it in a a bigger serving that the temperature will change and the flavor will change, the profile will change throughout, and that's the craft of it all. Whereas my Budweiser, I'm not drinking for craft. I'm drinking to get buzz, or I'm drinking right. because I'm, I'm, I'm fishing with my boys. You know what I right. mean? So I got a 12-ounce, count, a twelve ounce, I can down that real quick, and I'm done. Whereas right. you want to experience the pint, or you want to experience the 16-ounce can. Is that maybe some of it? Th- look, that sounds right to me. I never dug that deep. I just knew what the numbers were. Okay. <laughs> right when I talk okay. to brewers, when, when I talk to people experiencing the beer game who are sell, you know either brew beer or sell beer for a living, they're like, yeah, twelve ounce. If you want to sell the most beer, put I mean, it in twelve ounce cans. And okay. I, I want I love sixteen ounce cans, right? I love the canvas feel of it on mm-hmm. how you can place the artwork, right? right? But they say if you want to sell the most beer, put it in a twelve ounce can. St. So I said, ain't nothing else to talk about because my yeah. goal is to sell the most beer. Yeah something to do with the logo because the logo could fit on a 12 or a 16 ounce can but knowing that you gotta do 
12 ounce cans to be the most profitable, the most selling. Is that, did that have anything to do with why the logo is uh, the size that it is and has the 12 around is all that? Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a perfect point. Like I wanted this, I wanted King, King Cross to be much bigger, right? Because the, the label, and I love the label. Shout out to our graphic designer, Dulce Abreu, out of uh, California. Um, but to me, it's a little bit too busy. And so we actually work with a new label designer. Shout out to my man, Arn L. Shout out to Phil. He out here. Oh, yeah. That's our guy. Oh, so you know. Yeah, yeah Arn L. So, been on the, on the podcast before. Okay. So you know. Yeah, he designed something for us. And that thing, when we do this whole, like, the distro deal and all that in December, we're coming with new packaging. Mm-hmm. And when I say the packaging is going to, like, yeah, it's going <laughs> like, he he did that for real, right. for real, for real. And it's going to jump out even more. Like, the king will be more prominent. The mm-hmm. gold will be more prominent. Um, okay. Just the iconography in general is just, I'm very pleased with how it turned out. And I'm very excited for for the world to see those. Right now, we, I don't know if we even touched on this because you the 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 logo the the Viking actually has a name. Like <laughs> where the name of the Viking come from? That, yeah, that's a great point, man. So, um, like I said, I was adopted and uh, you know raised by a single mom, and I told you my mom passed away January 10th, two thousand. And so, unbeknownst to me, well, let me back up for a second. My mom was like a psychic, right? Her and my wife have this in common where they're just really good at identifying good people. And so when I was five years old in kindergarten, after six weeks, they skipped me up to first grade. I'm like, how you, how you make a judgment after six weeks? I couldn't have been that smart. Like, I wasn't eating the Play-Doh or something. Because um, it, it messed me up later in basketball. You know, I'm playing basketball my senior year at 16. I signed my letter of intent for college at 16. Wow. Um, but anyway, so one day my mom is picking me up from school uh, for like a doctor's appointment or something, because I usually ride the bus, but I'm right, walking out with my homeboy, Lawrence Cross the Third. We call him Trey, right? And so I get in the car. And the same mama, Trey? Yeah, the same Trey. This is the okay. same Trey, right? Okay. And so, it, damn, look, y'all be on it, man. <laughs> but like, we listen, man. We listening. I, I love it, though. <laughs> hey, look, everybody don't. Uh, yeah, you get listen, what I'm saying? We just, we just figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, same Trey. So I get in the car, my mom's like, who is that? Right? And I'm like, you know, black mama, she the way she's saying, I'm like, I wasn't doing nothing. So I'm like, who is who? What you mean? <laughs> right? right? And uh, she was like, that boy you was walking with the glasses. And I'm like, uh, Lawrence? La- yeah, Lawrence, I think we, we call him Trado because uh, he's the third, right? She was like, you about to be friends with him. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, y'all about to be friends. And uh, yeah, I'm going to make sure I get this before cell phones and all that, right? All right. I'm going to get his parents right. info and, and y'all going to start hanging out. And I was like, uh, all right, whatever. I didn't think about it, right? <laughs> Two weeks later, me and Trey at the park playing basketball, right? And we've been best friends. Like I said, that's like my brother ever right. since, right. since 1987, mm-hmm. literally. Let me, right? let me bring it full scale for you real quick. Your mama drink beer. Your mama loved beer. She told you you was going to be friends with Trey. You, you wouldn't drink your mama's beer because it was nasty to you, but Trey introduced you to craft beer. Thank you, mama. Hey, look. That's hey, full look, circle. I love, I, I love how you just put that together, right? Yeah, man. And so, like I said, my mom passes away, massive heart attack, January 10th. I had just spoke to her a couple of hours prior. Mm. Obviously, this is devastating for me, right? Yeah. Um, 
But then, and I was already close with Trey and his family, like very close. You know what I'm saying? I get into middle school, I start wilding out a little bit. Nothing crazy, but just like, you know, feeling myself and all that. Trey's dad pulled up on me like, yo, I don't know what the, you think you're doing, but like, you know, I'll bust you at like he, he right, like right. gave that level of parenting. And real quick, let me just let me tell a story about Trey's dad real quick, Lawrence Cross the second. My mom was in the hospital. Uh my junior year in college, she had got like pneumonia real bad. I mean, junior year in high school, she got pneumonia real bad. So I went to stay with Trey and his family for a little while, right? Lawrence Cross the second was uh, a teacher and then a principal, right? My junior year, I transferred to St. John's at Prospect Hall with the number one team in the nation. I'm, you know, got my khakis and all that stuff, right? He comes down the stairs and looks at me. He's like, hey, Sean, I... boy, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, what? What happened? He's like, look at your pants. My pants was all wrinkled, right? And so he was like, you can't be no man walking out like, take them pants off, right? It's like 6.30 in the morning. I take my pants off in the middle of their kitchen. He busts out. He irons them. He's chastising me the whole time. But he irons my pants. I'm talking about Chris, right? And then he's like, all right, have a good day. Like, that's the type of love that they show me. You know what I'm saying? And so, anyways, we was already tight. But a few months, like, this is probably like like right when I came home because she passed in January. I came home, buried it, went back to school, finished the semester, and came back. Mm. And we were just talking. I was like, you know, I really appreciate everything y'all have done to make sure you're checking in on me more and all this stuff, right? And um, he was like, well, you know, we promised your mom. We promised Ronnie. It was my mom, Ron, yeah, but everyone called her Ronnie. We promised Ronnie that if anything ever happened to you, we would uh, happen to her, we would take care of you. And I'm like, what you mean? She was like, maybe like six months before she passed, she came to us. And was like me and Glenda, his wife, and was like, if anything ever happened to me, y'all take care of my son. Wow. And I'm just like, bruh, come on, man. So, like, I always, like, wanted a way to pay homage to them. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so I was like, you know, being a writer, I know people really love alliteration. And I'm like, he's a king, and he needs to have a strong name, right? And then it just came to me, King Cross, right? And it's Cross with a K. You know, so it's KK, and that just... It came to me. I, I went to Trey first. I asked Trey because, you know, and shout out to Trey because he he never, like, he always allowed me to have access to his parents. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? He never was like, you know, ego or nothing. He yeah. just always was like, yo, like, we brothers for real, for real. And, you know, they're they're very, they're, they're wealthy people. You know what I'm saying? And they really, like, took me on trips and just really took care of me in a way. He could have easily been like, you know what I'm saying? No. Like, yeah. no, like, you know, whatever. I'm the son, and he never acted like that. And his parents couldn't even bat it or not. They were just like, all right, he can't come. Bruh, yeah. bruh. That's how they move, right? And so, like, it, it was just it was just love. But like I said, yeah. a tough love. Not no, like, pie in the sky type stuff. Like, you know, love is discipline type thing. You know, you got kids. You know how it is. That's how they treated me. Never treated me no different. Just like mm. one of their own children. And so I went to him and I said, Trey, this is what I'm thinking. You know what I'm saying? What do you think? And he was like, ST, run with that shit, bro. <laughs> he like, yeah. one-liner, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so then I went to Glenda and I went to Lawrence. We call him Deuce because he's the second. And I told him, and Deuce is just like, you know, I'd be honored. You know, like, thank you for doing this, son. Like, you know, like my, it's to a point now my kids called him grandma and grandpa. Yeah, and yeah, that. yeah. But that's how we got the name. 
That's awesome. Right. That's good, man. Yeah, that's man. Good. That's that's a good story, storyteller. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. Like he said, he 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 wrote stories for All Black Network. I have some some shows from All Black Network. I gotta try, uh, check out. Uh, what was the name of the show again? So it's double called cro- Double Cross. Double Cross. If you know, no, notice I said I wrote on season one, right? All right. <laughs> I was supposed to be on season two and all that, right? But like I said, if that ink don't hit, right. Right, like yeah. no shade to nobody, but it's like certain things were said and all that, and it didn't happen like that because at the end of the day, it's like I started off with this is business, and if somebody makes a business decision to go in a different direction, what can I say? I have nothing to say. I can say all oh, that, you know, I appreciate that you said one thing. This, it doesn't matter. It's business, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, season one. Check out season mm-hmm. one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I, I I used to be a, a, a aspiring screenwriter. Yeah. So do you still write? Do you like do you still write like um, stories and screenwrite and, and articles and, and all I do? Do you still do the writing piece? Because I know you said you got uh, education as well. Yeah, not really. Um, just because I don't have time. So between Black Viking, between my day job, I'm a program director for an education nonprofit, um, and between my family mm-hmm. and uh, and the hoop life with Sean and Sean. I don't really have time, you know, and I've written a couple of screenplays that are that I'm very proud of. And like, as you know, Rob, when I first started writing screenplays, they were terrible, right? right? Like all, right. all screenplays are terrible. <laughs> but it's the and it's the same thing that I, you know, I took the same kind of grit into the beer game, right? Because for like I hire professional readers, read my stuff, submit the contest and all that, and they're like, Yeah, this isn't good. Like the idea is good, but the execution is terrible. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I just kept beating on my crap, beating on my crap. Now I have two or three what they call market-ready screenplays, you know, because I went through 17, 18 rounds of edits. All Mm. the red marks and all the people, you know know what I'm saying? Like, I went through through that. I was like, I'm just not going to stop until I get it to be the best that it can be, you know? Um, So I've got some screenplays in the coffers that I think could eventually maybe sell, be made in some movies. But my primary thing, like I said, is Black Viking right now. Um, and my next, any writing endeavors that I do next are going to be centered around Black building Black. the world of the Black Vikings. Right. All right. Well, well, just to go back on the screenplays, are they, um, I don't know what the word is. Uh, you wrote them a couple years ago. And according to, I'm so, so focused on Black Viking. And if I'm doing writing, writing for Black Viking, if you ever was to bring these screenplays out, would they be outdated? No. No, they still, they, like, last, they they uh I don't what's that fucking word? <laughs> what's the <laughs> word where they where you put it out and it la it, it doesn't uh, I don't know it doesn't matter right no I get I get what you're saying yeah. I get what you're saying it's gonna come to me in a minute I mean, um, but it wouldn't it, it wouldn't matter if they got put out ten years from now or or a nine years from now or thirteen years from now it wouldn't matter they they hold or even twelve years from now sir it wouldn't matter right. <laughs> They always, I can't think of the word, man, and it's really messing me up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Like, I mean, yeah. outdated for the most part. But no, see, and that's the thing, bro. Like, I wrote the screenplays, and it's the same thing I said with Black Viking. I, I really, and not mm. the, you know, the kind of quote Jay-Z had the interview. He's like, I, I play forever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Royce the Five Nine got a song called I Play Forever, which I love, right? I play forever. And so mm-hmm. the screenplays that I wrote, one of them is a sports drama, right? That's based on some real life events that happened in my life, um, but it's it's what they call in the industry a high concept 
right. uh, screenplay, right? Rob know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, I don't, I don't <laughs> for a sports drama on. to be high concept, that's pretty much. I, I want to read awesome. it now. Yeah, <laughs> me look, too. So I send, I send it to you, right? I send it to you, no problem, right? So yeah. there's a high concept sports drama where I bring together to where I bring together the urban world and the the farm world, so to speak. Because I told you there was a period of time I lived in Illinois, mm. right? And I got to be friends, real good friends, with a farmer out there named named Nate Webster. That's my guy right there, right? And so we had the gym, because like in this small town we were living in, um, they had a real nice gym, right? And so we playing basketball, <laughs> and this dude's like a 6'4", white dude, blonde hair. He's dunking, he's blocking shots and all that. He got Jordan shorts on. And so we just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause we in, we in like the sticks. And so he looking, he's sticking out a little bit. Right? right. And so we just, I started chatting him up. I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, you know, I'm a farmer. And I'm like, not like your parents farm, but like, what do you do? And he's like, no, I, I farm. Like I'm seventh generation farmer. Right. Wow. I was wow. like, what bro? I gotta see that. Right. So <laughs> he invites me out, bro. I'm on the combine with him. I'm going to the silos and like, just seeing how they do all this stuff, right? But like a farm is a is a multi million dollar, very like highly technical uh, industry, right? Yeah, profession. So they've got stuff on the iPads. This is the yield from last year. This is where we got to plant. And this this is where the tractors got to like. It's just it's dope. And so he takes me into his travel. He got a travel room, right? In this house that's like two hundred years old. This man has been all over the world. I'm talking about China, Africa, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, and taking, he's a very high-level photographer. Mm. So he's taking pictures of all these places. He's got artifacts. He's got all this stuff. And I'm like, bro, that joint completely changed my perspective, you know what I'm saying, of what I thought a farmer was, right? right. I'm thinking they just in the car hearts, They acting crazy. You know? It's like, nah, this <laughs> dude is highly, highly educated. Yeah. Got a library in his house and all that, right? So I took that. I took, you know, my sports stuff. I got injured in college, broke my foot, um, missed my whole summer going into my senior year. Um, took that, took my mom being handicapped. Like, I took a lot of elements and made it into this script, which at first was terrible, but then eventually got to be really good. Yeah. And so the second script that I wrote was, is called The Bishop, um, and it's from the Bishop of Rome trilogy, right? And so it's about the 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 election. Well, I'm sorry, the what do you call it? It's about the I'm I'm thinking losing the word right now. But basically it's about the elevation and eventual election of, of the, the first black pope. Of the pope, okay. Right. Okay. So cuz yeah. there's never been a black pope. Right. There's never been a, a, a African pope, right? Yeah, came close, um, but not not he didn't make it. <laughs> right. So and which is crazy cuz I wrote the script right around the time when the last pope stepped down. And they're about to elect the dude. He got called. I'm like, man, I don't want him to make it. He's you know, gonna take away from my script, right? Um, but like, he was, he was hating on the new. I'm pope. like, I'm like hating on the dude, right? But like, the the script, I did a bunch of research, right? Order books off Amazon and stuff. Like, did Google Earth images, um, and wrote the first draft of the script. And that one was okay. It wasn't terrible, right? It was okay. okay. And then I just kept beating on it, beating on it. And eventually got into the hands of some producers out in LA and dude started shopping in and all that. And he came back and said to me, this joint had me laughing so hard, right? Like I laugh about it now, I should say. But he was like, Sean, if you were white, 
or if you were Spike Lee, I could get $20 million to make this film tomorrow, mm, right? I said, thank you, I guess. He was like, I know, I know. I said, because how do, am I supposed to do that? You know, no, like, do I get, can I get 15 Spike million? How much is, I, oh, like, I don't understand. Can you get Spike Lee to read it then? <laughs> right. Like, let that white man, let that white man walk in there with my script then. Right. That's what I'm saying, but that's not how that works. You know what I mean? Because he was basically saying, if you already had a name, right, or if you was a white dude who they're more likely to take a chance on, right, right, then because it's a, a high a high concept script, right? It, I had somebody from Showtime, right, ask me. She was like, "Did you sit down with the Pope?" I said, uh, "Ma'am, no, of course I did not sit down with the Pope." <laughs> but I took it as a compliment because she said. The level of detail in the ah. script is so high. How long did it take you to write? I said almost two years. Right? She was like, wow. Because most people are not going to take that long to write a script. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, to do that level of reading. Like, th this is, if I can sum myself up in one thing, like, I don't care about the money. Like, of course, I want finances to come and to be wealthy and all that. But I'm not doing things just for money. I do things that inspire me. Right. And mm -hmm. if I'm inspired... Mm -hmm. I will go as deep and as far as I need to, excuse me, to go to execute on it in a way that's going to be game changing. Nice. I love it. Nice. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate yeah. it, man. That's, uh, yeah. So, Rob, I love to read some of your stuff too, man. We I can send each other some stuff. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it, yeah, some of it's, uh, <laughs> it's terrible. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, <laughs> But I, but, That's crazy, but, right? I think it's going there. Oh no, no, no! I mean, well, this some of the concepts might one of the scripts for for sure. I'm sure it's kind of outdated because it was a it was a uh, a street drama, I guess you should say. But it, okay. It, so it's a little, it was a little, uh, um, but it was more like New Jack City meets. Uh, I used to say it was like New Jack City meets Wind Talkers. I don't know if you ever saw the Wind Talkers yeah, movie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the Native so, American. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Where they used wow. the codes, yep, <laughs> codes yep. in the streets. So it actually was called Code of the Street. So it was more of a, it was it was that interesting show. I like the idea though. <laughs> it, yeah, it seems it seems like a is that is that a high concept? Definitely a high concept. All right, yeah, it's it, got if you combine in Wind Talkers in New Jack City, <laughs> like come on, man, that's incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I got a, another joint. So when I did um. When I did um, Double Cross, right? Mm -hmm. So the showrunner, Crystal Gibson, she was like, yo, this is... Because, like, what, let, let's take a step back. In 2018, I knew I didn't want to teach anymore, right? So I was like, man, I can't go back to teaching. I talked to my wife. She's like, you know, all right, well, we're going to have to hustle, right? So then my man I used to hoop with, he actually is a, a financial planner now. And one of his clients is Kirk Fraser, the dude that did the uh, Lynn Bias documentary, mm, right? Okay. And he was like, well, let me introduce you to my guy, Kurt. I actually think they're about to shoot a movie in D.C. soon. I'm like, shoot a movie in D.C.? They never shoot movies in D.C. because of permits and stuff, right? right. Like oh, all the yeah. secure buildings. Long story short, I get to meet Kurt. He's like, bruh, you know, I can't do nothing with you as far as like a script because like I just met you, but like you could be a PA on this film. And I'm like 30, almost 40 years old, but I'm like, bet, I'll take right, it, right? Man. So I'm working. The first day I worked 36 hours straight. Like, Oof. I ain't even come home. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I just put in mad work. And so, like, Kurt seen that I was working. He like, bro, okay, like, I ain't really going to put you on like that. But here go Crystal. She's the scripty, and the scripty is uh, the script supervisor. 
So basically, you see people there shooting the film, right? The script supervisor sits there to, to make sure that the continuity is right, yeah. right? So if if you said they in the last line, you got to say they in the next line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some yeah. script supervisors are terrible, though. I was about <laughs> to say, man, I done some seen so many Starbucks cups. <laughs> I done right. seen so many Starbucks cups where they don't belong. Right, right, right. right. Exactly. So you you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So you need to have a good scripty. And Crystal was very good in making sure the continuity was there, right? Okay. Kurt introduced me. He's like, yo, Crystal's a writer. She just made this uh, this uh, movie called Her Only Choice. It's on BET. Her is getting a lot of great reviews. Netflix just picked it up, this, that, and the other. So then I meet with Crystal. I'm like, you know, can I take you to lunch? We have lunch. And she's like, you know, I might be having some stuff coming down the pipeline. I keep you in mind. All right, bet. So then like a month or two later, she's like, Yo, Sean, I just got this deal with the All Black Network, which used to be, I think, Urban Movie Channel or something like that, right? Um, and they want to give me a show. Like, I've never had a show before. Like, you said you can write. Can you write for them? I'm like, yeah. She's like, send me a sample. So I sent her the bishop, right? Mm -hmm. She called me back an hour and a half later. She said, oh, you can write, right? I said, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I'm nice with it. I ain't going <laughs> to lie to you, right? Because most people think writing is, like, glamorous. It's not. Yeah, writing yeah. is work. It's like uh, yeah. being a mechanic. You know what I'm saying? Like figuring stuff out. Like it's that level. And so I'm like, yeah, if anything, I know I know how to work. Like I'm not afraid of that. So she brings me on. We like she had an idea for the show, right? I really helped her flush it out. You know what I'm saying? And the studio has the head of the network loved it. So before we even finished season one, they was like, well, we're going to give y'all season two because this joint is just so good. And then if your writing team is me, uh, Crystal, me, and another dude named Daryl Kador, uh, like, if they got an idea for a show to submit, like, they could just submit it directly to me. I'm like, that's crazy, right? So Crystal was like, you need to write up a show, right? Like, come up with a show. I'm like, I never thought about writing a show. Like, right. nah, I ain't really messing with it, right? So she's like, Sean, you have an opportunity to submit directly to the head of the, the network. Come up with a show idea, right? So at the time, I'm working at HD. Well, I worked at this nonprofit, but one of my schools is HD Woodson. And they have a very prominent football team, right? Football program. And so one of my players, not one of my players, but one of the players who I was cool with because I ain't coached, but he had gotten into some trouble on, on a Friday, right? Maybe like, you know, cussed the teacher out and walked out, which at Woodson, at the time, that's light work, right? <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about Monday morning. Monday morning, three coaches from a Power Five conference school were in the office, in the college and career office. Go get, go get, go get breath, right? Now, just these three dudes, I'm like, how do y'all have money to just fly down like that, right? They bring the kid in, they talk to him, you know, I ain't gonna name no name, they talk to him. He like, man, you know, she pissed me off, whatever. They like, well, you keep it together, you know, we still want you, this, that, and the other. And that joint just hit me. Again, I told me having these little like epiphanies. I'm like, they got all this money to just fly down on a whim like that. I mean, he got in trouble at the end of the day on Friday. It wasn't even right. like it was the beginning. Right. Monday morning at 8 o'clock, three dudes from the coaching staff was in there, right? They flew in on Sunday. That, right, you get what I'm saying? Right. Dude? So it's like you – and the, the kid didn't even end up going to the school, right? And I knew he, <laughs> he wasn't even really considering them like that. You know what I'm saying? But just on the chance. They right. got the money to throw it at him, right? I said, okay. So then I started just doing more research. Come across the book, $40 million slaves. 
right, by uh, Bill Roden. And I'm like, bruh, this is crazy. Like, this is nuts. You know what I'm saying? Again, when you talk about the industry of things like we talked about before, we we are on the field, we're on the stage, et cetera, but we don't control none of the real money, right? right? And so then I start, you know, because I'm working at Woods, I'm working at a couple of other schools in Northeast, and most of our kids will go to HBCUs. So, like, I wanted to go to Howard real bad, but they didn't recruit me, right? And so I started really, like, digging into, like, the his- not just the history of HBCUs, but the finances, right? Mm. And I'm like, we HBCUs just are woefully underfunded, right? right. To the right. point where, like, Morgan State sued the state of Maryland and just won almost a $600 million settlement against them because they're like, you're underfunding us, right? And so then I'm like, I got it. I got it. You know, being a, a former athlete myself, uh, my junior year, we were sponsored by Jordan Brand, Michael Jordan's design team. We were the first, us and Oak Hill were the first high schools to be sponsored by Jordan Brand. Michael Jordan's design team literally came out and sat with us and was like, so what kind of stuff do you like? Here's a duffel bag with all the new J's, like three pairs of new drawers, jerseys, all that stuff, right? And so I took all of those elements Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm going to write up a show saying like, basically what happened if like Zion Williamson, for example, went to Howard, right? Right. Right. What would that do? Right. Right. Because the NCAA does not make a lot of money off college football. The, The conferences make a lot of money off college football, but the NCAA as a governing body makes 90% to 95% off of, of their money off of basketball, college mm. basketball, which is 90% black, right? right? Yep. And the other sports in college don't even make money, right? College football and college basketball pay for all the other sports, right? right? right. And so I'm like, if Zion Williamson, because, you know, now in college basketball, it's a lot of one and done, right? Right. If he went to Howard, he going to shift the whole culture. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because Zion Williamson had President Barack Obama at one of his games. Right. He had tickets going for $5,000 at Duke. Can you imagine if Zion Williamson went to Howard? Right, but, like, right. most of the times we're not going to go to a Howard because it's like you don't want to go to somewhere that doesn't have a legacy of winning. You don't want to go to inferior, uh, uh, you know, equi- like equipment. And um, I'm, thinking, I'm blanking on the word right now. But, like, the stadium and stuff like that. Right facilities, right. but what if you don't need that? What if you already rich? Right. So there. Right. Anyways, I'm saying all this to say I created a show called Mascots. Right. Mm-hmm. That joint I submitted it. Right. They picked eight shows that season. Dude hit me up personally and said mine was number nine, mm-hmm. and he wanted mine, but his team wasn't seeing the vision. Right. I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, you probably you shouldn't even call me, right? We laughed about it, right? <laughs> but I put it on the shelf. Again, fast forward, Deion Sanders goes to Jackson State, right? Right, right. Now people are starting to call me again. Right, right. Bro, you still got that script, that mascot. You was on to something, right. right? Because it's not only people think that it's just Deion Sanders went to Jackson State. Deion Sanders and his kids went to Jackson State. Right. His kids went to Jackson State, not because they couldn't go to a Power 5 school, but because they already rich. And yeah. they're doing something for leg- – their father instilled the legacy part into them. So they know they good regard. Their kids were his, – his quarterback's son working out with Tom Brady. 
he like, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there's a whole world that I built around that. My fault, again, I went on a long-winded uh, storytelling thing. But, yeah, I think eventually something will happen with that script. But I'm just not actively shopping it because I'm yeah. all in with Black Viking. Right. Yeah. I, hear, yeah. I see a lot of uh, Black Viking product placement coming in, coming soon. Look, look, <laughs> look. Uh, but like a lot of Black people product placement. Because I like, look. Let, let me ask you this. Y'all have a great podcast and you're great dudes, and you have you said 186 episodes. Yeah. That's nuts, right? What like what 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 would y'all need, right? To be on a major network, right? Mm-hmm. You just need an opportunity. Right. That's it. Like yep. y'all are good enough to be to go on any network. And this is not me blowing smoke up your ass, because I've been on a lot of podcasts. I'm not saying this to everybody. Y'all could be on any podcast on any network and hold it down. You just need the opportunity. Yeah. So that that to me is full circle because it's like that's what I'm all about. Like, this beer, yes, the beer is dope. Yes, Zinger beer is very good, cool. This is about starting a movement. This is about starting a full, we've already started the movement. Now it's about growing the movement to where I can give more opportunities to people who traditionally have not had them. Yes, yes. Right? Like, our IP attorney is black. Our contract attorney is black. Our graphic designer is black. Our website designer is black. Like, this is, and I have nothing against anybody else. I love everybody, right? I'm just saying I did not need to go outside of my own community to find these people. Because a lot of these people are my friends. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I went to them. I said, I I have a legitimate business plan. I have an idea, but I also have a business plan. What do you think? Here's how much money I have or don't have. Can you work with me in certain situations? And folks, because they believed in it. And what I was doing, they said, yeah, we want, we want to be a part of the movement. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Art and L. Art and L, bro, this dude, he a real one. I'll tell y'all more about the health line. He a real one. But I'm like, bro, how much you going to charge me for this? And I was willing to pay him whatever because mm-hmm. I was just a fan of his work. And just right. he has so many reviews, not just for his work, but people I talked to in the industry said the same thing about him. Oh, he a real one. So I was like, I'll pay him whatever. You know what I'm saying? We done sold a couple cases of beer. Like, we we got some money. We'll pay you whatever, right? <laughs> he was like, bro, don't even worry. We'll talk about that later. I just want to be a part of the movement and help bring your vision to life. What are we talking about right now? Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do that. He got a wife and children. All right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He His his work is highly coveted. Mm-hmm. He said, I just want to be a part. So when we talk about black people need to support each other, no, no we do support each other. We yeah. just need to keep putting it on blast so more people see it. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. I agree, yeah. man. Well said. Yeah, well I, said. I think that was uh I think that you was know, the, he, the mic drop, right? No. Right. Sean <laughs> Sean talk Sean talk where it's like you don't really need to ask a question. I I'm gonna answer it before you think about it. <laughs> oh, he's a storyteller. <laughs> yeah, we put him in the right direction and we get it going. I love it, man. That's great. <laughs> um, I appreciate y'all, man, immensely. For sure. Absolutely. Um, any more questions, Lou? No, I'm good, man. I won't. I don't have any more questions. You got any more questions for us, Sean? We've been people have been doing that lately. Now, I mean, how can I support? Uh, just tell people to, to, to keep to telling listen. people about the show, man. Yeah. Like we we just like y'all. Like word of mouth is what's getting it on. We like you said one. We just need one HBO exec, one uh <laughs> fucking NBC exec. <laughs> we need Showtime. I heard they got an empty slot. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's good. <laughs> we good. We are family. So we are. Yeah. 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 Hey, look, for sure, man. But now nah, our whole thing keeps spreading the word, man. Tell, tell if you got some good people that will be good guests, let us know. We can book them. Like, we just want good interviews like this on our show. And we just want to keep on putting out good shit. Right. Like, it's weird when people, that's not weird, but it feels good when people you don't even think listen to the show, holler at you and be like, yo, I really like what y'all doing. So, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. cool. Like, yeah, I, I, I feel like you're a get. Like, we got you on the show. And you tell me, tell us that you're honored to be on the show. That's, that's, nah, we got you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was nah. excited to hit Rob. Like, yo, I got Sean. He's, he's going to come. And now nah, he, was, he was just, that's, that's, that's a blessing to me. So, hey, bro, I appreciate, I appreciate you that. saying that. Like, so I had to incorporate Sundays on my day off, right? Mm. Because I just, there was a point where I had worked something crazy, like a hundred and like, 53 days straight you know what i'm saying mm. and my wife was like yo what are you doing yeah, <laughs> you know what i'm saying sure. like you got to take some time and like we go to church and stuff on sundays as well you know because i'm a very you know my faith is very important in this journey okay. and uh so but you know like i said for y'all though i was like bro i'm a fan i'm a genuine fan and not just a fan of like the show just the energy like i Man. always say you know people say the inter- the internet is a place of interest it's not it's a place of energies and I've been so encouraged by folks like you, by folks uh, like Dave Mack from Philly, right? Who right. drove down for our launch from Philly, mm-hmm. and I had mm-hmm. never met him before. Um, and just folks like all throughout the country that I've had the opportunity to, to meet and, and kick it with, like everybody's so cool. They're right. so cool in this yeah. game, and people are just really, even if you don't like, you're not going to do business with that person. Shout out to my folks from drought season from Atlanta as well. We got some coming next year. Right. Um, but like, I just, I love it. Like, even if you're not going to do business with them, the vibe is just dope, man. Right. So, oh, um, yeah, I love it. And Hey, one last thing I will say. So I've always said, I want to be the Anthony Bourdain, of uh, craft beer or just a beer. And that that's, that's getting closer. That's getting very, very close. <laughs> As far as putting some things together, using my writing experience, I created a show um, that caught the eye of some some producers up New York, and uh-huh. so we're shooting some content now. And yeah, uh, yeah man, keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, you know, prayers up for that because that to me will obviously that would be a great look for me. You know, it's something that I enjoy doing, being able to travel the country and and kick it with people throughout the the country. But that to me is also going to open up the world of black beer, mm-hmm. right. right? To say, look at all these people that are brewing beer, that are podcasting about beer, that are making merch about beer that look like us, right? Not yeah. that it's going to be an all black show. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like we are able through this show, it could be a vehicle to bring right. and highlight highlight us, yeah. right? Yeah. Highlight yeah. us and, and people that are just dope in general and you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this before, you know, y'all wrap up. I've met a lot of great allies in this business as well. Shout mm. out to my folks from Oliver Brewing Company, who we contract brew with. They're Maryland's oldest brewery. They've been great. They've mm-hmm. been great partners for us in not only brewing beer, but giving us game, right? Shout uh-huh. out to my folks from Downtown Crown, Dave Burks, right, who's helped me make a lot of contacts in this industry and pointed me in the right direction, who even helped me set my price point for my cases that we sell at wholesale, right? Just giving me that type of institutional knowledge. 
Shout out to my folks at Silver Branch and Silver Spring. We got a collab coming with them next year, right? Like, so there's just been a lot of great folks in this industry that I've been blessed to to, to kick it with. Mm-hmm. Um, I count y'all among those folks, and I can't wait to make it up to Delaware to kick it with y'all in person. Right. To yes, sir. Playing with y'all. And just to see y'all continue to grow this thing because you got something special. Right. Well, we appreciate, appreciate that. that we thank appreciate you. that. Thank we you appreciate much. you for coming on. We want to thank uh, Sean Taylor from Black Viking for coming through. It was a great episode. We went. We went. We did our banter. We went over with beer, basketball, yep. screenplay, screenwriting. <laughs> yep. For sure. <laughs> so it'd be something for everybody in this podcast. So yeah, this yep. episode for sure. Uh, before we write, before we go, we like to know how people can find you on worldwide webs, uh, social media, uh, and all the good stuff. So uh, Sean, how can people find more about Black Viking and uh, and and how they can get involved and how they can purchase it? Absolutely. So. Um, you know, thank y'all again for having me, man. I really appreciate no you opening up your platform to me and to my company. And so as far as online, you can find us at www.blackvikingbrewing.com. We actually, our website is going to undergo a major uh, reconstruction again in these next four to six weeks, which I'm really excited about. But we got a, a working website right now. It lists, uh, I think it lists like most of our location on there. We need to do a better job of that, which is part of the reason why we're revamping the website. Um, Ponchi, what's going on, Ponchi? Hey, that's a real one right there out of VA. She is, yeah. <laughs> Shout out sure. to Ponchi. That's my girl right there, Amber. What up? Um, and y'all need to, people need to hire her for photography stuff too. I told Amber, you got to start charging people, taking these great pictures, giving it to people for free. Start charging people. Y'all pay her, please. Um, she's good people, man. Yeah, she is. And, uh, so, yeah, com On Instagram, at BlackVikingBruin. We go live. It was every Thursday for Black Viking TV, but because business, um, it's like every other Thursday. Um, and so we're not on Twitter. I don't mess with Twitter like that. But my folks got on me. We got to start up a Facebook page. That's still in the works. But right now, it's just the website um, and then the Instagram. You can also email me at, well, you know, you know what? Don't email me because the email is about to change. So just hit me up one of those two places. Um, yeah, and also, last thing, my fault, if you're on Instagram right now as a part of this video we're putting together as far as shooting content for a larger show, Please send me a video of you hitting the ooh ooh or or saying Black Viking Bruin if you want to be possibly included in the video. My brother in law is a great videographer. He's putting that together, and that should be done in the next two or three weeks. So if you can send me something this week, I'm more than open to that. Um, if not, cheers to the culture. All right, there it is. Nice. Um, I expect a clip of this to be in that. Hey, hey that's a yeah. Bet. We, me and me and Rob have submitted. All right, hey, that's <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a bad man. I'm sure we can work that in. For sure. Uh, Lou, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me on them Instagrams. My name is Lou Belgium, also a future board member of Black Vikings. <laughs> uh, shout out to uh, I am YODA and uh, Dev Drinks Crap Brew. It's 302 YODA. Uh, 302 YODA, yes. <laughs> um, if you want to uh, listen to the podcast, want to read. For Bruce and Brandon Podcast, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can find us on uh, 
iTunes, all that good it's been stuff. A week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm all messed Take up. Take a week off, we just <laughs> frazzled. <laughs> you can find Bruising Banner Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bruising Banner Podcast. My son said, Ain't you on TikTok too? So, yes, we are on TikTok. <laughs> uh, but I never mentioned it. So, yeah, yeah we are on TikTok. <laughs> because it ain't that much content over right. on TikTok. Right. No, with the promotions, though. That's, that's good promotions. <laughs> right. Um, but, like I said, you can listen to us on every podcast platform you listen to. You can even say, Alexa, play Bruising Banner podcast because we are on Amazon Music. If you want to check me out, Rob G, Rob Stay Bruising. There it is. Bing, 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 bing. Uh, you can check me out there, or you can go to cheers at bruisingbanter.com if you want to send us uh, notes of uh, encouragement or suggestions <laughs> and all that good stuff. Or you want to just say hello, or you got some, you need some advice, and we're going to give it to you. It might not be good, but we'll but give it be to advice. <laughs> we'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, until next time, I want to thank you again, uh, Black Viking, yeah, for coming through. Oh, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate Much, success. Much success to you. Until next time, have a good week, everyone. Peace. Yeah. I'm in the Masoni room at the Bibelos. The boat was rocking too much on some Aaliyah shit. We going from the Vava to Sink on Sink, then back to the Vava. If you know, you know, baby. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Tomazo and Ernesto, short rigatoni with the pesto. These verses of my manifesto, hallways got an echo. Me and Smigs on a loose in the city, you know how the rest go. Casual sex, I'm like.